All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Coaster Kings Radio. This time we'll be continuing our China talk with South China. Um, my name is Sean, and this is this is Alex. This is Cathay Catharsis Part Two of Three.、Uh, last time we talked, we were discussing、uh, the Eastern Chinese parks of the Greater Shanghai Megalopolis.、Um, this time we have、uh, we have taken a flight from Shanghai Pudong Airport on a、uh, China Eastern China Southern Southern China Southern to.、Um, Guangzhou, China, one of the largest metros in the whole entire world, the largest city proper's in the whole entire world,、um, to enjoy seven, well, six-ish, six and a half, six and a half different theme parks. The half is because we did something really cool that was kind of theme park-like with、uh, a really dope intimate ride, but no roller coaster.、Um, so we will we will touch on that a little bit later. So、uh, the、yep. parks we went to were Chaimong Paradise, Chondord Holiday Manor, Chaimong Ocean Kingdom, Happy Valley Shenzhen, Night Valley, Guangzhou Sunak, and then our bonus attraction. You our may have、bonus. heard of it. Is the Canton Tower? The Canton Tower, one of the world's largest. It's the fourth tele- largest tele 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 television tele tower、yeah. media tower. It's the fourth largest、uh, public observation freestanding structure in the world. And on the very top, where the antenna is, there is a Intamin drop ride attached to it. An Intamin giant drop, like a、the、little short one. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant. It's a, like a hundred feet tall, but you're already well over a thousand feet in the air. I think it's like seventeen hundred feet in the air. Yeah, yeah. So we're pretty high. Spectacular.、Um, we found this attraction kind of randomly while I was、but、scrolling through the、yeah. website of Intamin when I had a few moments at work. And and so we learned that there was a drop tower attached to the top of the Canton Tower, but more on that in a little bit. We will go ahead and get started with our Chimlong Paradise Day, which we arrived really early in the morning in Guangzhou. Then we turned out the airport was way further away than I realized, so we had to take like an hour and a half taxi to the hotel, which was in the middle of Guangzhou, which is good because it was close to to all the attractions we were trying to go to. We stayed at a university hotel actually, and、uh, and a loft hotel,、yeah. and、uh, it had a really convenient train station close、um, by, which also allowed us to use metros to get to some of our attractions. Guangzhou has a beautiful, like enviable public transportation system. Just about the nicest. Not as nice as Shanghai, but close. One of them. Yeah. yeah, I think Hong Kong is the nicest that I've seen. Tokyo's is really efficient too, but it's a little rough around the edges. I definitely liked Shanghai and Guangzhou's better than Hong Kong personally. Hong Kong, but that's because、so、Hong Kong is so hot out. <laughs> But we were there. That's not fair. <laughs> it was just everything was murky and everything smelled. So there is Hong Kong does not smell, even though its name yes, means fragrance. It means fragrant harbor. Well, the fragrance I did not enjoy. So. Uh, anywho, we took a taxi from the hotel that morning to Chamlong Paradise, which is famous for its production models. <laughs> which I think they only have production models. One is slightly adjusted dive、yeah. coaster. Chamlong Paradise is the cardinal、uh, amusement park of the super super impressive and hot blazing the trail uh, Chinese uh, theme park chain, the Guang,、uh, Guangzhou based、um, Chamlong. 
holding company or something? I don't think it's holding. I think it's, it's, own. Just, I think it's just a channel group. We, yeah. we mentioned it a little bit uh, in the earlier podcast, the first episode of um, of this series about how Chimelong, even though they only have two resorts, which are comprised of two... Well, they have three, really. They have uh, So the Chimelong group has the pre-existing Chimelong Paradise. Right. They have the Chimelong Ocean Kingdom. Um, Chamon Resort in Hanking, which mm-hmm. we went to as well. And right. then there is one that is opening in just almost a year and a half from now. That is the Chamon Safari Park, but the resort is already... No, wait. Safari Park is the animal park next to I'm Paris. sorry. Um, Forest Kingdom. Forest Kingdom is the new resort. Which opening a year and a half. We're looking at Rollercoaster Database. Safari Park has an entry on Rollercoaster Database because they used to have a wacky one. They actually, yeah, they used to. Fun God, fun. that's so funny. I wonder but why yeah, so Chamon Paradise composes... Is composed of a dry park, you know, the main coaster park, their water park, which has the highest attendance of any water park in the world, much to Disney's chagrin, and the safari park. But, um, like, a significant margin. So that's, like, three gates there, and then Ocean Kingdom has their park, the, the theme park, and then they have uh, a killer whale museum under construction, and yeah, it's they going have, to be the world's largest indoor museum opening right. in 2020, or the world's largest indoor theme park, they say. In 2020, so it should have a should have a couple of and the uh, the prestigious uh, Chimelong Circus, which is like the Chinese Cirque du Soleil. So between these five operating attractions, two theme parks, a water park, a safari park, and a circus, they have the highest overall attendance, second highest overall attendance, highest overall attendance of any regional theme park destination uh, of any regional theme park company. However, they're pretty much moving towards being a destination yeah. theme park company. They're sixth in the world. With only their five uh, attractions. Did you mention Forest Kingdom? Well, Forest Kingdom, yeah. Well, Forest Kingdom's under construction. Right, right. And it's going to be a lot like Ocean Kingdom because, you know, a theme here. Um, But like Disney's Animal Kingdom version of sorts. And it's actually going to be located about an hour north of... Chamlong Paradise is where Chamlong Ocean Kingdom is two hours south of it. So it'll be like, on the stretch of three hours, there will be three major resorts. For those of you who don't know, Guangzhou is one of the largest metros in the world. It's the ninth largest um, city proper in the world, I believe. Or the ninth largest metro. It's one of the two. It's uh, it's still only the third largest in China behind Shanghai and Beijing. But the metro itself is, you know, still quite large. Probably comparable to, like, the New York tri-state area metro like there's a, just a tremendous tremendous uh number of people millions uh and millions of people which is why this this um which is how Chimelong is able to just operate two resorts with five total attractions and uh outperform six flags and cedar fair in attendance and build a third additional resort cluster inside of the same greater metro the greatest thing i think <laughs> is that they are close to hong kong but hong kong is not super accessible Yet, the, this company manages to completely outperform Hong Kong Disney and Ocean Park yeah. Hong Kong, which is funny because those parks are older mm-hmm. than, for example, Chamlong Ocean Kingdom, which pulls all the plugs on, um, on attendance. Second highest park in China. I think China Disney slightly, yeah. slightly higher. But yeah, Chamlong Ocean Kingdom is out for blood. Uh, we'll talk in detail about that park later, but um, I guess the big takeaway about that as far as Chamlong the Chimelong group and their attendance is that they opened this park, they opened Ocean Kingdom in 2014 and it's already spanking Hong Kong Disney in attendance. Just, just out of control. In fact, the, the Hong Kong park saw a dip in attendance um, at around the time Shanghai Disney opened, which a lot of analyze, uh, a lot of analysts attributed to that, but 
We think it has more to do with Ocean Kingdom. Yeah, a lot of people are stating that the attendance drops seen in Hong Kong are related to Shanghai Disney, but Shanghai Disney is not that close. It's not, but Shanghai Ocean, but Shanghai Ocean Kingdom's attendance has doubled within the last um, five years. Five years of opening. They opened with just yeah. over five million in attendance in their first year in 2014, and now they're close to 11 million yeah. for 2018, which means that uh, we really think that the giant increase in attendance from Channeling Ocean Kingdom is what's causing the damage at Ocean Park, Hong Kong, and Hong Kong Disneyland. But the critics um, have a bit of a different opinion on that. They got to keep up. We'll get into that later. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Paradise. Channeling Paradise. So, so Channeling Paradise um, actually, like it, we didn't really have a lot of expectations. We expected nicer than Happy Valley, but not necessarily nicer than some of the newer parks that we've seen. Like. Paradise has been around for a while. It opened in like 2005, 2006. They've steadily added uh, more roller coasters and uh, upgraded. They used to have a, a smaller collection with some hokier rides, but they've exchanged some of their Chinese knockoffs for more, you know, rides of the Swiss variety or German in terms of like their Mac Youngstar coaster. Or even um, their newest coaster, the uh, SNS Skyrocket 2, the only such installation. Um, on that side of the planet, I believe. I think so. Um, I can imagine certainly the only one in uh, Asia. Construction, yeah. Um, but um, so, but the park was really nice. Not super cohesive in any sense. Not so much a theme park as much as a uh, just a traditional park, an amusement park. It kind of set our expectations for uh, Ocean Kingdom to be kind of modest, which is part of the reason why Ocean Kingdom blew us away. Um, Anyway, so we get to Chimelong Paradise, and we go to buy our tickets, and they tell Sean that he's going to be too tall to ride anything. So they then told me after purchasing the tickets that I should just return my ticket and get a refund and not even go into the park. And I was like, well, came all the damn way out here. I'm still going to go into the park, and I'm just going to fake my way onto these attractions, which we did. Yep. So after the kind of unfriendly welcome where I was literally told to just turn around and get my ticket refunded because I wouldn't be able to To be fair, they anything. told you to buy a no-ride ticket where you just get in, but, like... Which made no sense because there was no controlling of anything. Yeah. You just kind of hopped on whenever. So I guess yeah, it's it kind of funny it. that they said... Yeah, there's, like, a, there's like, a, like a kids under three and senior citizens ticket or something where you can get into the park but, like, not ride anything. I don't know how they monitor that because there's no, like... Yeah, there was no wristband or anything anything like that. Um, Unless it's just the honor system, and they or they forcibly give you a stand. I think they just, (laughs) I think they just took one look at him and was like, "Well, you're not going to be able to ride anything. Nobody's going to let you ride. So the least we can do is like give you a discounted rate so that you can enjoy the park and hopefully spend money inside the park instead of paying full price to get in the park. I don't know." It was a nice gesture. Yeah, then she wanted to give me a map and tell me about all the rides you can ride. And yeah. I was like, no, that is fine. I'll just go ahead and go inside and learn the hard way. Anyways, we were salty as shit. Uh, but then we went straight to the dive machine because Which that's... Which technically too tall for. Yeah. However. Uh, spoiler alert. He got on every coaster. Except, except for one, which we'll get to in a sec. But uh, there wasn't anything that he was denied access to upon seeing him. Contrary to what the ride operator, or contrary to what the people at the front of the park were saying, which is that they would take one look at him and tell him no. We rode Dive Coaster first, and that was actually really fun. It's another 10 across uh, dive machine. I guess there's only three. Two of them are in China, and the third one is Griffin. The other 10 across we rode at Happy Valley in Shanghai um, shortly before, and it's like the augmented 
uh, Sheikra layout. This is this could almost qualify as augmented Sheikra, but it's there's a little bit more to it than that. It has pretty much all of Sheikra's elements in the same order, but it's shaped a little differently. Um, it's a little it's a little shorter than the diving coaster we rode in. Happy Valley, Shanghai. It's actually um, this one's shorter. Well, height-wise, it is actually oh, uh, only one ninety-six. Right. That's about about eighteen. This was the longest dive machine in the world, um, I believe, until Yukon Striker opened. Um, no, was it longer than Falraven? I thought Falraven broke the length record. Really? I mean, Falraven. This was uh, third two hundred feet. Let's see what Valraven. Valraven ain't shit. I don't care how long it is or how tall it is. But I digress. Valraven is actually two hundred feet longer. So okay, so Valraven broke the length record. I knew it was one of the two. I knew it had to have been Yukon Striker, but maybe not necessarily Valraven. Yukon Striker looks dope, by the way, except for the vests. It's a pity. Anyways, the dive coaster at Chaimon Paradise was wonderful. Um, not necessarily particularly unique or anything, but you know I love a good dive machine. Um, not terribly thematically uh, interesting, but if anything, it just makes me appreciate our. Uh, it kind of marks Shikra. a new entrance to the park that they added in '08. True. Um, so even though the park opened in '06, they added the new gate in '08 when they created the Rainbow Bay, Rainbow Ridge. Is that the water park? Or? No, the oh, entrance. They call it the entrance. Yeah. Remember because of the splash of the water of yeah. the ride, so they called that entrance. Yeah, they the opened the project. park and then. Um, installed a second entrance to the park opposite from where the old entrance was, I think. And in doing so, they created this amazing new plaza with the dive coaster in it. Um, and then this is also on the side of the park where you can connect to the water park. Um, we didn't go to the water park, but the water park is extremely famous uh, inside water park enthusiast circles for having the first installation of the uh, water slide Ferris wheel, or the slide wheel, who is it that designed that again? Is it Vegan? The, mm, um, the slide wheel? Yeah. I think the slide wheel is like Whitewater West or something else. It's one of, the, one of the big companies that we use in the US. Let's see. Anyways, if you've seen the viral video of the spinning water slide wheel thing, um, that is actually at uh, Chaimon Paradise. Sort of their victory lap upon breaking the attendance record and stealing it from uh, Typhoon Lagoon. Uh, at Disney World, I think uh, it was a pretty solid, resounding, sky's the limit uh, declaration for them. Um, I find the slide wheel concept completely terrifying, but I mean... Oh, that's actually weekend. I didn't believe they, they made that. Yeah, so, okay, it was. I thought that was a cra- I thought yeah. that maybe it was crazy of me to like think of. But yeah, it's the company that builds the uh, Alpine coasters. Um, the good ones. There's a couple companies doing those. Well, there's multiple good companies doing them, I guess. There's a couple that aren't very good. But Vigand is the, uh, I guess, the standard in uh, Alpine Coaster and Alpine Slides. And uh, apparently they also build water slides now. Like the water slide first? Yeah. Terrifying looking. We're double-checking. We're looking at a video of it. Um, Honestly, it looks like a nightmare. I I mean, I would probably ride it. I would probably be, like, not a happy camper. Um... It looks really cool, though. I would love to ride it. It looks super, super amazing. Like a real focal point. It kind of looks like a flower with like five petals. Each petal's a different color. And you go backwards and forwards. And I guess like I trust Vigan, you know? I trust their products. Rotates. They're an amazing company, so I shouldn't shouldn't be too timid about it. 
Anyways, so we didn't do the water park, but we did see the slide wheel from the top of Dive Coaster. And we were kind of like, oh, yeah, that's here, too. That's this park. That's so wild. Um, the dive machine was great. Um, then we went, uh, we kind of continued around the park counterclockwise. We rode the Skyrocket, which is like a perfect, perfect clone of um, the original Skyrocket 2. At Sigler Discovery Kingdom, Superman Ultimate Flight. Um, Theming-wise... It was sort of space-themed, but very, very colorful, like everything else in the park. Um, they had giant switchback set up, because this park gets pretty high attendance for a park to have a skyrocket with two car vehicles, but it was a good ride. Nothing bad to say about it. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, but that's because we've been on how many, like five, six? The last three different skyrocket credits we've gotten have all been the three SeaWorld Parks Entertainment skyrockets, so it's been like a minute since we've ridden, like... The two, the two, the two vehicle, vehicle yeah. no comfort collar version. Um, so that was kind of nice. It's nice to be a little bit more uh, free in the upper body. But other than that, you know, I kind of, I don't mind the three car trains on like Tigris or whatever. Um, you get that cracking the whip effect coming over um, and down the, the various drops and uh, transitions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was a credit. It's a, it's a cool one for China. Even though it's one that like we're getting pretty familiar with being a production model in the U.S., for this market, for China, people, this is amazing. It makes sense because China is full of uh, the Mauer Skyloop coasters and knockoff versions of the Skyloop coaster. And I think a lot of people would comfortably claim that the Skyrocket 2 is similar to the Skyloop, but a perfected, much more interesting and comfortable version with, you know, a launch and it does more, better capacity, like... While kind of looking the same and having the same footprint and having that same, uh, I guess, eye-catching, uh, vertical, looping uh, thing, but I think being much more of a crowd-pleaser. So it was actually, I would say, would be a perfect fit for this park, um, considering how enamored the region is with Mauer Skyloops. This is, you know, the evolved version of the the vertical, looping, launched coaster Um which is, I guess, would explain all the switchbacks. But yeah, we there wasn't it wasn't too crowded when we went. Yeah, we we were pretty early today. Well, we there, got like, there on Wednesday or something. Oh, I don't remember. No, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was yeah, Wednesday. Because yeah, it had Thursday, to be a Wednesday. Was Chimwa, we did Chimwa, Ocean, Kingdom. Ocean Kingdom on Thursday. Yeah. So that was pretty good. Um, and then we tried. Well, I tried riding the Vekoma motorbike, which is the same as booster bike in Toverland in the Netherlands. However, they completely modded the seats, and for that reason, I was not able to ride. Yeah, they had a weird um, leg brace thing. Um, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's, it's, it was definitely an aftermarket mod that we uh, weren't really <laughs> expecting, and as soon as Sean sat down and pulled his, or attempted to pull the lap bar, or the, the, the bar thing forward, it just, like, it stopped way short. Yeah. The back bar... Yeah, all, like the way that the harness is closed, it's all kind of connected. You pull the lap bar, the handlebars forward to engage the back bar, and there was a huge gap between him and the back bar because of where the leg brace, which is attached to the handlebar, which is attached to the back bar, uh, came up on his legs. So, fortunately, just by sitting down and attempting, it was clear that he wouldn't be able to safely ride. And he actually did not get kicked off. He went quietly on his own accord before the ride operator could even suggest. Well, the ride operator was looking at me. Was like, <laughs> well, we were, oh, everyone was looking, works. and we were like, oh. 
I mean, I was clearly the tallest person yeah. in that entire park. But, yeah, so that didn't work. But that's fine. At least fine. they let you, I mean, at least it, we were on our own journey, man. Like, we figured it out. You didn't have to be told by anyone. No one got up in your face and said you couldn't ride, which is kind of nice. Sure. And luckily I have the original version credit in the Netherlands, so that's yeah. good. And for the record, like, this was one of the original coasters at the park, and it feels like it. Honestly, the coasters, like, the the three r- remaining opening season coasters at Chaimong are not running that well. I feel like the booster bike was, like, running over gravel. <laughs> like, the wheels were shot and needed to be replaced. It was still fine. It paced okay. The layout's good. But um, the one at Toverland is so much smoother, despite being um, older by a year, I believe. Um, we then walked over to the back of the park, which is where the Intamin 10 inversion coaster is, but it was closed upon approaching it, so we kind of continued our loop around. Luckily, it did say it was going to open at noon, and then it opened even before noon, so that was great. So we looked around, went to their half-pipe coaster, which is one of the diverse versions. This is the original Intamin half-pipe. Which, which means that the track was actually flat, which made for horrible tracking. My feet could definitely get stuck between <laughs> the vehicle and the ride platform. It was, it was sketchy, honestly. But they, but they just told me to lift my feet and then I could ride. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll take it for the credit. That was very nice of them to be like, you can ride, just don't be stupid. Um, but yeah, this was one of the original three. There were, there were, there were actually four Intamin half-pipes built um, three of which opened, and then a smaller version was built in Japan on the rooftop of a Don Quixote uh, shopping plaza, um, which never opened because when they tested the ride, they realized that by operating it, they were compromising the structural integrity of the building in which the shopping plaza was located. So the half pipe has been SBNO ever since. But the three that did open, um, Chime Long's, uh, the one at Sarkaniemi in Finland, and the half pipe at um, Ewich Gardens. These rides feature the older style Intamin harness that resemble the uh, looping coasters uh, like Colossus at Thorpe Park. Um, and then shortly after thereafter, the uh, surf coaster, which is the second generation half pipe coaster, was introduced, which used a more traditional tubular track bed system. And the seats were replaced with larger, wider versions that feature the uh, over-the-shoulder shoulder harness set up similar to, like, you know, rides like Stormrunner or, like, Maverick, Maverick opened with the, yeah. uh, the harder uh, shoulder restraints but more uh, accommodating um, for adult riders. Um, yeah, the half-pipe was fun. It was a credit. It just felt, again, it just felt like we were riding over gravel. I don't... I yeah, really it was, put my finger first on it. I thought it was a rip-off. I was like, why yeah. is it ride like this? But then it turned out to be an actual intimate. I'm so used to the one at Mall of America, which is a surf rider, and it's so buttery smooth. And I don't remember the ones in Finland and um, <laughs> Ewich Gardens being rough either, but this one was just like, what is this? We had to, Yeah, we had to double-check online to make sure it was actually legitimate. And then we went for lunch, which was whatever, because we couldn't find any vegetarian food, so I just ate, like, the veggies that came with Alex's meal. <laughs> and then we... You did eat a lot of bok choy on this trip, didn't you? True. Bok choy was the only option. <laughs> and then we saw Ten Inversion operating, so we rode Ten Inversion. No, we rode Young Star first. Oh, that's right. We did ride Young Star first. If you hear that noise, that's our cats. Our children are roughhousing. We apologize. But they're so cute. We can't be mad at them. Anyways, so we rode the Young Star coaster, which is a regular Young Star coaster from Mac. However, the first drop 
has been significantly shortened to the point where like it just levels. You have a little part of the ride where it goes straight. It's just a flat piece of track up. covering in the air. Yeah, it's kind of strange. I mean, it clears part of the gift shop, but I'm not, I don't see any it just seemed, purpose for it, it existing. Weird. It's the same basic layout as the original Young Star installation, which is Pegasus at uh, Europa Park, except Pegasus at Europa Park lacks um, an it's additional helix, right? upward helix. Yeah. yeah. In the middle of the ride, there's an upward helix that is installed on all other of the Young Star clones. They couldn't use that helix on the Europa Park installation because of uh, interfering superstructure from the Poseidon water coaster that stands directly above it. There's two other Young Star installations that have the full drop, like Pegasus and the upward helix. Young Star at Chimelong has the upward helix, but no full drop. Still a really fun ride. Yeah, I would say it's ride. one of the best fun rides ever built. Very, the very good. second drop's pretty like, strong, because that kind of takes the place of the first drop, since the first drop barely exists. The second drop is almost, like, it's kind of buried in the ground. It's very smooth. Sometimes Macs kind of have this Mac rattle from the get-go, it but this thing doesn't at all. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Gershlowers do it, too. But not so bad. Not enough to really detract from the experience, but yeah, uh, Young Star, Chime Long, was, was uh, smooth as butter and has a very cool... Uh, steampunk uh, Pegasus horse lead car, which looks amazing, great photograph kind of thing, but um, unfortunately, if you're sitting in the front seat, uh, kind of obstructs your view, kind of like Big Thunder Mountain syndrome. Um, but a good ride in any case, and serves as the park's only uh, kitty coaster or co- kitty coaster like ride. It's quite large to be considered a kitty coaster. However, they don't have so very family friendly. Yeah, yeah. pretty much everything else in the park goes upside down except for Halfpipe. Um, well, that brings us to the be-all, end-all, upside-down coaster, at least for its time, Ten Inversion Coaster. Which, of course, is a clone of Colossus of Thor Park. has ten inversions, five of which are barrel rolls, <laughs> because when you do ten inversions, you cannot be original, so you yeah. have to copy yourself, apparently. Um, even though B&M had already done eight inversion roller coasters, that did not clone any elements, but that's a different story. Yeah. And then the coast itself was not too bad. It was not the smoothest, I would say. It was a little rattly for what I was expecting. Comfort is not there. There's no legroom. But overall, I was glad to no, ride it. It was, a, it was a credit I kind of wanted to ride. Um, didn't live up to my expectations, but it's a fun coast nonetheless. So, For all of you intimate nerds out there, this is the only true clone of Colossus at Thorpe. Um, the other five such installations of the Intamin 10 Inversion Looping Coaster are more, feature... Uh, newer, so have an actual drop versus... They, the are, they have curve. a swooping, dro- diving drop and um, lap bar only trains. None of the 10 Inversion, like the next-gen 10 Inversion Coasters have been installed anywhere that we've been. They're in kind of some interesting places. There's one uh, in Russia, there's one in Italy, which... Uh, a friend of mine has ridden and said that wasn't very good, which is unfortunate. Isn't there one in Turkey? There's one in Turkey. And then Flamingoland is Flamingo building Land one. Flamingoland is building one, which is funny because it's, you right know, Thorpe Park. it's like two hours from Thorpe Park, I think. Maybe maybe more than that. I mean, they're about as far away as they can be and still be on the island, I think, but still geographically close by the standards of even the Brits who say, why would you build this? Because Thorpe Park has had this for, uh, you know... 18 years? It'll be 18 years when the... This will be a much better version, though. Hopefully. It was actually purchased secondhand um, in pieces from um, Hopi Hare in uh, Rio, in Brazil, or Sao Paulo, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. 
they had purchased the ride with obviously with intent to build it and um it was delayed and delayed and it never happened and uh the park luckily is um still thriving um as sao paulo's uh only amusement park regional music like full-sized uh regional park with a variety of coasters but unfortunately their beautiful new 10 loop coaster um just was not meant to be and so now it is uh Flamingo Land's uh, next next project. And then that was it. We finished the park way early, earlier than we expected. Wait, we did that dark ride thing. Uh, yeah, I guess it's right. Well, it's like it's kind of like a studio tour Hollywood kind of attraction where a giant tram just stands there in the middle of a... If anyone here is familiar with like Fast and Furious Supercharged or uh, Pretty much Fast and Island Furious Reign of Kong. <laughs> Fast and Furious in space. It was fun. I it mean, was actually the story, better. But... It was way better than Fast and Furious. <coughs> but instead of like a moving vehicle, you just walked into this giant circular, like ov- ovular circle theater. Um, and you sat in this tram that was stationary with a rooftop and uh, put on your 3D glasses. It was actually, I mean, it was interesting. It was new. It was their new ride. That was one of the things that they've actually added since um, expanding over to uh, Chaimong Ocean Kingdom. Um, and a totally different kind of attraction than anything else in the park. Like they don't, they don't have a dark ride or anything of that nature. They've got lots of flats. They have a drop tower. That they have a they have another temple themed dark ride, which you tried waiting for. But there was a million school kids who were like, "Bye." Oh, remember is that what that was? Yeah, it was some sort of dark ride. Yeah, I don't even remember what that was, but yeah. Well, I think the biggest takeaway from this park is that it's nicely maintained. Lots of gardens. But everything is just, like, colored oddly. They just put colors everywhere. Like, it's very, very colorful, but none of it is cohesive. According just, to the park map, this place has, like, ten themed areas, but... There's no theme. It there's no the cohesion. It's all just rainbow vomit explosion. Yeah, so you see a bunch of, you know, planters, but then every single planter is colored a different color. And so like, many stuff. orchids and lilies. And then the same building has four different colors on the window frames. So like, there's just colors everywhere, which is real cute, but it's just not... I don't know, it didn't look too good, which made us kind of scared for Chamlong Ocean Kingdom. But that turned out to be a whole different thing. But yeah. speaking of cohesion, <laughs> there's actually a park that was really close by called Chung Lord Holiday Manor, which, believe it or not, had such amazing cohesion that the entire park felt like 100% the same thing. Basically what happened is this. It was like 2 o'clock. Earlier, it was like noon. It was, yeah. We got we got on 10 Inversion early, and we were like, oh, Yeah, once, ten, once we rode 10 Inversion Coaster and rode the... Um, the 3D movie dark ride thing, we were kind of done. Like, we didn't really need to do anything else in the park. We wrote the drop tower, but that was it. The drop tower was really fun. It kind of looked like an Intamin drop tower. But it was but not. It was a different company. It might have been Zamperla. It's in this, like, circus-themed area of the park where all the rides are Zamperla, including the motorbike coast... Or no, that was a Bacoma. <coughs> they had a Zamperla air race and a disco, some other Zamperla rides. Um... Yeah, we did a, we did our coasters. We did some extracurriculars. We walked around. We took lots of pictures, but we ran out of park pretty much, and we had a lot of time. We were planning on doing the uh, Canton Tower that evening um, after dark, but we still had five hours of daylight at least. So yeah. we pulled up Roller Coaster Database and looked for parks nearby, and we found, sure enough, a park with allegedly nine roller coasters, um, just like a few miles away. So we left the park, called a taxi. Um, translated the name. Actually, I think Rollercoaster Database has the name in Cantonese, which, which you is amazing. And we yeah. just, so we just showed Rollercoaster Database um, to the taxi driver and took us there. Thank you. The strange database. thing was that the taxi was out of gas, 
and there was this old man driving a taxi. We're like on the freeway, and it just starts like, oh, yeah, it just starts shaking the car. And I was like, we're like nowhere near his anything. gas. Yeah, his gas tank was empty I don't know for how, the whole ride. I don't know how how the hell he made it twenty minutes away. I don't know how he made it because the car was shaking on the freeway, and I was like, the only thing happening? I can he think of stopping? is that maybe his gas gauge is broken, and he can just like predict based on. Like, maybe he just gets his tank filled. But, like, anytime we stop at a gas station, I mean, anytime we stop at a traffic light, the car would, like, hardly be able to start again. It was just like, all right, are we going to be done here? Like, when are we going to be done? Is this car going to sit here? The important thing is we, ma- we did arrived. We did make it to Chun Lord Holiday Manor in one piece. And um, we had no idea what to expect with this place. We were definitely leaping into the It was off the grid when it comes to theme parks. Totally like, there was no the English. I mean, there was some English, but it was one of those places where there was no taxi stands. It was off, like, the beaten path on some... Weird road. Every ride here is a Chinese build. Everything is knockoff. There's not a single like Western manufacturer. Every single roller coaster has green supports and yellow track. All nine of them. Every single midway is covered in fake finds. I mean, the cool thing was that the park in recent years completely remodeled. They pretty much kicked out everything they had and they completely rebuilt the entire park. We looked at old pictures of it, roller coaster database, and the park was actually ugly as hell. And, and that was one of the prettiest parks I've ever been to. They pretty much funny. demolished everything and started over. The park is actually set up a lot like um, like the Prater or like a German fun fair of sorts, except it's permanent. You enter the park by purchasing a rechargeable card that you can put credits on. In fact, entering the park and buying admission comes with... Um, a certain amount of credits that you can use um, to either ride the rides or play the games or make purchases. The place is just flush with attractions. I don't think like, I, they had like ten dark rides. I can't believe the number of shooting rides galleries, they had. roller coasters, flat rides for days, candy rides, restaurants were all open. Like arcade games that of were also rides, all open. interactive, multimodal attractions, lots of shopping, amazing atmosphere. <laughs> the park wasn't that busy, but. God, it had everything open, everything operating. It was so un-Chinese, and at the same time, it was so, so Chinese. So unfamiliar. I mean, honestly, like you have to go to the website and just look at pictures of this place because it's unlike anything we've ever seen. It's, it, in fact, it's hard for us to compare it to anything because it's so different. It feels really. It feels more like a like a really nice outdoor market um, with like really nice shade structures, lots of foliage and flowers and. Um, wooden like lumber architecture, um, but also with with tons and tons of rides, like a hundred rides easily, just tons. We didn't even see everything, um, and then rides on top of buildings, on top of other rides, um, a big lagoon in the center with lots of boats that you can ride in or walk around on, um, and just all kinds of themed attractions and things. We don't exactly know how it works as far as like tenant ship. We think that vendors do rent out portions. I think, I think vendors rent out, not the rides. I think the rides are part of the park, but I think that the vendors are like the different restaurants because there were so many restaurants that were all staffed and all like open. The, the shops. So many certain shops and all stuff. open. But it was just such an, a revolutionary system for everything to be on the card and for the card to not just be. I mean, it's like going to Dave and Buster's where like everything is on the card, like the whole but board. also the rides too rides, games, shops, everything. So, you could use cash to buy stuff too, but you you don't have to if you don't want to. You put the great thing the is that if this park were to be a major, major U.S. park, I would completely believe it and say like this is successful. But the only difference was that it was kind of off the grid and the people just didn't speak English there. 
So we tried pointing it right. So like, you can ride that. They were like laughing. They were like, you guys are so big and Western. You're the first white people I've seen in a year. Yeah. What are you doing here? And we're like, uh, who's going to write this? Yeah. And so eventually there was one ride that said, no, you can't write this. You have to write together. We were obviously we're going to fit in this like jungle mouse. It was a little <laughs> wild mouse called jungle squirrels. And, um, we basically kind of, we, they told we, us you can't sit there and we, you're laughing. We strong armed them into letting us ride in our own vehicles. So we just sat down and we're like, we're going to ride like yeah. this. And they were laughing. They just pressed the dispatch they were button. Laughing. We <laughs> I don't think, I, they scanned our card too. I didn't know we had credits on it. Yeah, yeah. I understand how any of that works. But they were just so tickled. Like even if they, even if we could understand they were what out. they were saying, they were laughing so hard. They were hysterical because we were there. It was almost like. I don't know. I, I just felt like they were. I like, got the feeling that laughing we were, at us. We were, they were like, "What the hell are they doing here?" So. I mean, well, I mean, we're laughing too because of course it's insane. Laughing. This is crazy. We're probably now a story that they tell to their family. Like, you wouldn't believe these freaking white people just showed up into the park. They're like seven feet tall. And they came in here to ride all the baby rides. <laughs> seven feet because they used the imperial system. <laughs> totally. Right. I'm sorry. You're right. These two meter tall dudes. You're right. I know. I know it. Okay. But um, seriously, Jungle Squirrels was amazing. It was really fun. It was so almost died. fun. John really almost got decapitated. I have video evidence of this. I was like, ah! Um, it's a little squeak. A little squeak. The park actually had some major roller coasters, including a Chinese-built double-loop, double-corkscrew in kind of the vein of an aero coaster, and also a knockoff Mauer Skyloop. However, uh, we were denied both of these coasters for being both too tall and too fat. Yeah, um, we were overweight. So we had we absolutely <laughs> were not allowed to ride. However, uh, Jungle Mouse and then um, the self-spinning pulley. Which I'm technically 15 centimeters too long for, which is yeah. quite too, too tall. Self-spinning pulley is just the weird Chinese name for a... Um, Golden horse spinning mouse using the Mauer style back-to-back spinning cars on a traditional uh, wild mouse layout. Um, the best thing about those is that there's an unloading station, loading station, and it's a perfect system. It is a cool system. I can't believe the It's like a little out. S-shaped like zigzag. It's like, yeah, it's like a U-shape. Yeah. You come into the station and then like the train will just Especially if you've got like, loose, loose articles, you put them in on one side and it's like, there's, it's like, a, it's like a bookcase with no back to it. Yeah, it was smart. I liked it. Uh, the um, ride was kind of sketchy, but it was pretty fun. And it didn't um, spin it has, very like, much because they had restraints. Yeah, it had it has a lap bar and a three point seatbelt. Yeah, I don't know how the hell that worked, but it was it was well. And then they like they put seatbelts around the lap bar in your feet. Yeah, because lap bars. I think, all the golden horse spinners are like that. Because this lap bar probably come on. First, all I time. thought it was like a fluke, but this is the third golden horse spinner that I've ridden, and they're all like that. So I guess that's just golden horse, you know, doing their weirdness. You know, golden. But, um, God, I'm so, like, I, we were hesitant about coming to this place because we were like, you know, this is how ambitious tourists disappear is when they start, like, wandering off the beaten path. <laughs> um, but uh, this was one of our favorite parks of the southern China part of our tour. In true Changlor fashion, we couldn't actually leave the resort because there's no taxis, yeah. there's no cars. So eventually this one car just drove by and we, like, kind of... Stopped it when someone came out. They were like, "Can we jump into your car? We need to go here." We yeah. gave him the car to the hotel, which is still like an hour away. And he's like, "I'm not so sure about it, but we kind of already jumped to the Some car." Some guy so offered him cash. May or may not have been a taxi driver. Um, this is like the second incident of jumping into some sort of car and this um, going for it. But I mean, hey, I think we, you know, we paid him like two hundred. Oh, we paid him pretty good money. Yeah, we paid him handsomely, I think. We were just so grateful. I think we told him, we're like, we'll, we'll give you, we'll pay you whatever we want. We just need to get back to the hotel. And back at the hotel, we were like, kind of tired, but we had set our minds on going to the Canton Tower, 
which again is that 1700 or 1800 foot tall mega media tower in the middle of Guangzhou. So we went to the metro station, bought a metro pass, and made our way over to the Can Tower stop. And then went to the Can Tower, which is cool. Very, very beautiful. There should be an update on the website by the time you hear this. Yeah, we're going to build it, you know, like kind of a normal music park update because we have enough pictures for it. Okay, okay, okay. I pulled up Wikipedia just as <laughs> to assist. The Canton Tower is over 600 meters tall, which for Americans, that's over 1,900 feet tall. Exactly. It's almost 2,000. It's 1982. One, so. Yeah, 1,982 feet tall. Um, and this is – the Canton Tower is a gorgeous and exciting um, – step in Guangzhou's global. global recognition. Like we've mentioned on this episode and the episode before, Guangzhou is the biggest city you've never heard of. It's not a tourist center the way that Beijing or Shanghai is, but it's every bit Hong Kong, yeah. as powerful and prominent. Um, in fact, for two or three years... It's actually considered the biggest industry city in the world, so the main reason that you haven't heard of it is because your products come from China, they true. come from Guangzhou. If you have an iPhone... It probably came from Guangzhou. No, Pegatron. Well, Pegatron's in Guangzhou. Well, they're also in Shanghai. They have them in Shanghai, too. That's where all the iPhone taboo happened. True. Anyways, Guangzhou is famous for being an electronic manufacturing hub. Anything. So there's a really good chance that something in your house that is electronic was made in Guangzhou. Either it's not electronic, there's a lot of coal um, coal burning for energy, which is big in China still. So, in fact, that city was so incredibly filled up with smog. Like, there were times we would like, be on the freeway, you couldn't see the building next to the freeway. It was just smog. Oh, so fun fact. Um, the CN Tower in Canada was the tallest tower in the world, and then the Canton Tower broke that record. In 2011. In uh, 2009. And then in 2011, the record was then surpassed by the Tokyo Sky Tree. Oh, really? Okay. I thought it opened in 2011. Um, Tokyo Sky Tree being the first freestanding structure um, to exceed 2,000 feet. And now the Burj Khalifa uh, remains the tallest tower, is the tallest tower in the world. And since then, um, the Oriental Pearl Tower in Shanghai, which we have visited um, on our first trip to Shanghai together, is since been built and is actually taller than the Canton Tower. So even though the, the Oriental Pearl Tower in Shanghai has never been the tallest tower in the world, it's now taller than the Canton Tower, but still fourth tallest in the world, second tallest in China. And this Wait, the second tallest in China? Yeah, because the Pearl Tower is taller. No, Pearl Tower is not taller. Yes, Pearl Tower is. is much older. The Pearl, what? the Pearl Tower is much older. Are we? Th- oh no, not the Pearl Tower. I'm sorry. The other, the, the tall thing in Shanghai. The oh, tall I was one. Like, what the hell? The Pearl the Tower really is not tall. Not the Pearl Tower. The okay. really tall, <laughs> tall. The, the tallest building in Shanghai, which is a business high rise, is the third tallest building in the world. But it's not like a public, like a. It's not like an observation thing. thing. It's yeah. actually. It's actually like it's used to media towers that are used for tourist things. Like I don't think you can go up inside this tower the way that you can with like the Sky Tree or the Burj Khalifa. So once on top of the Canton Tower, there's two attractions. Well, first of all, there are several decks of looking at things and museums and you know the usual observation tower. You enter the tower; it's beautiful. There's a whole lot going on. You go into um, the first room at the top is an indoor. like, glistening white observation deck area. 
Um, and then you go just the one, cloud deck, one the story cloud deck. up, and then it's like all dark. Then it's right? a star deck. Then there's a star deck, which is all dark, which is great for like nighttime viewing because there's way less light pollution. Yeah, on the night I don't know why the cloud deck had so much light during at night because you'll be in there and you can't even look out the window because it's be like the white floor reflecting I think onto it's just the window. Aesthetic. Yeah, of course, aesthetic. That's where the big gift shop is at the top of the tower is inside the cloud deck. So it's just super well lit on principle for aesthetic reasons, and then you go up to the star deck. Um, dark. Which is much darker, so you can enjoy the views of Guangzhou out the window without the glare. Um, from there, you can continue up to an outdoor portion of the tower. Which the only view of purchase for the upgradable packages, right. which you need to take an extra elevator up. And then upstairs, there's two attractions. There is a... A horizontal, horizontal Ferris, Ferris wheel, wheel, which has paused right on that circular it's Ferris wheel thing. The... Um, Canton Tower has a circular, kind of, oh, I guess, ovular rim of sorts, um, and the, this this tram, the circular bubble tram. It was bubble something. That was the name of it. It was like the bubble. So it was like the it was like bubble train or something. It had a cute name. And it was basically like a hubless Ferris wheel turned on its side, um, where the bubble cars traveled around the lip of the Canton Tower. Um, we didn't really feel the need to do that because we were kind of enjoying it's all it's you know you're up there you're practically 2000 feet up and you're already outside and you're kind of enjoying being up there in the elements there was i didn't feel the need to cram myself into a bubble well we hadn't even purchased <laughs> it because we were we had purchased our tickets outside the tower obviously right. and then we went so we had purchased the drop tower tickets which the drop tower was not very tall, but it was amazing. So you get up there, and you think you can see a lot, but then you get onto the drop tower, and all of a sudden you're, like, way above the tower, looking down, like, 2,000 feet. The drop tower is so spectacular that we actually, while we were up there, bought a second ticket to ride it again. We rode it. We're like, holy crap. So we exited the platform, and then we bought new tickets to get back upstairs and then ride it again, and then we hung out for a little bit. Amazing, amazing. I mean... I don't even know what to describe it. Like, there's, there's nothing in the world I've ever done or will ever do that's going to be that spectacular where you're just floating 2,000 feet into the air. And even though the drop isn't that tall, you're just floating in the sky in the open air, just floating, and then you just drop. The whole experience was honestly, like, greater than the sum of its parts. It was nostalgic because it's a traditional Intamin second-generation drop tower, like a, the one a that makes mid-90s, mid-90s Intamin drop tower yeah. like my, from my childhood at Great America. Um... So it's nostalgic, but at the same time, it's really unique and very futuristic, obviously, the application of it. What's funny is that it's not actually a vertical drop. The, it's actually a bit of a slope. It's yeah. sloped, just barely. There's, we've got pictures and video and stuff online that um, accentuate the sloped nature of this. When you're riding it, it, you don't really notice that well. You're just, I would say it's at like an 89-degree angle or something. It's very, very slight. Yeah, maybe like 87 or something. Yeah, like it is, it is, when you're there, it's obviously an angle, but it doesn't matter when you're in the sky because there's nothing around you. And there's actually two there's cabins around for you. It. There is a sit-down side on one side of the little drop tower bit, and then on the opposite side, they had um, a, like a Stand up floorless, version, yeah. like acrophobia at Six Flags Over Georgia. And there's a tilting one. Like a tilt, but it wasn't open. Which is the reason that the high limit is so incredibly low, because when it tilts and you're on an area angle, your feet can promote it. So right. If you're too tall, touch your tower. So yeah, Sean sure. actually well exceeded the height maximum for the drop tower, but um, they were kind enough to... They weren't paying attention, because I think the side that was open was the side that didn't have any dangers. Yeah, probably. Because the stand-up side would have been a different story. That thing. I think the side that was open was the better-looking side, anyways. Anyway, yeah, because you were looking at, it we're looking at the better direction. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But so yeah. that was really cool. Well, this the was... only thing I want to advise everyone is that you are required a passport here to purchase tickets. We were, and you use a passport machine, but you were lucky enough to be able to use some of our pictures and kind of put in information and then show our Florida ID and actually get our tickets. But in this region, it is very, very common for you to be asked for your passport. That's what we'll learn in a little bit later on too. <laughs> so just have your passport with you, I guess, yeah. is my tip. I know it sounds it's, crazy to travel with your China passport works. to like anything tower. that doesn't require like transiting out, in and out of the country, but in China, it's getting more and more common that your passport is necessary for you to purchase in, invite in any yeah, leisure right. activity. Um, but yeah, aside from that, the Canton Tower was one of my favorite things that we did on this trip and probably one of the, my favorite things that we've ever done together. Cause yeah, that was cool. It was... A, a, also, it, I'd never heard of anyone that went onto the Canton Tower. Yeah. Like, I, I looked at pictures of it before and then I realized there was a ride and I was like, we have to go. It's so amazing. And I can't but, believe that we didn't know about it until you, by sheer luck, stumbled on it. I mean, I still wanted to do a tower, but I had no clue it was a ride on the I mean, come I would on. Have not it's known an, it, it has an Intamin drop tower, like a classic... Like mid '90s classic, Intamin, yeah. Intamin, giant drop. I mean, it brought back so many memories, and it made me so happy. It was like you find home in some of the most unlikely places, and at the top of this observation tower in a city that I didn't really know about prior to researching this trip, we found uh, just a good old Intamin, just chilling off the grid, and. Even though it was spectacular, it was not nearly as spectacular yes. as our next day, our Chamlong Ocean, Ocean Kingdom, Kingdom Day, which Chamlong Ocean Kingdom is now our favorite theme park, and we're going to go talk all about it. So if you're ready to hear about the same park for a little bit, um, <laughs> good, because we are... We are going to fanboy about Ocean Kingdom. So where to start? We'll start with the fact that we got a taxi, and everyone's like, that's so far away, do you not want to go to Chamlong Ocean? Or do you not, not, not want to go to Chamlong Paradise? We're like, yeah. no, we went to like, Chamlong Paradise. are you Paradise. sure that you don't want to go to Paradise? And like, I, had made this little, I, had just made, I had made this little card that had both Chamlong Paradise's address on it and Ch- Chamlong Ocean Kingdom Paradise, and they kept flipping around, and I was like, no, I don't want to go there, I want to go to Ocean Kingdom, like, <laughs> get us in taxi to the right place. And so eventually we got a taxi, and this drive took forever. We're like going all the way down like to the two ocean. two and a half hours. We're like... Driving from us away to Hong Kong. Luckily, we left really early, so we, we left really early. There at like rope drop, so we're there about opening. Um, tickets were pretty expensive, and we get there, and it looks a little sun faded because it's like on the ocean, and it's it's hot out there. It's like Florida down there, and so first impression, I was like, oh no, I hope this is not like Chamlong Paradise. I hope it's better. <laughs> and then like we walked inside, and like our lives just changed. It was freaking amazing. The uh, the main midway, the entrance midway, like all. Almost all great theme parks, it's centered around a lagoon. You have your entrance midway, which here it's a enclosed midway with a giant LED screen ceiling in that the shape to a of a ray. manta ray. Yeah, which is so cool. that's pretty dope. Like that's their entrance marquee is this manta ray. And it is to get into the ocean. You so enter. You go this is your, and enter you're ocean. transitioning from the you know from the real world, <laughs> the human world, into the ocean kingdom. Um, at the opposite side of the lagoon, from where you enter, is it's their castle, which is actually a giant whale shark structure with inside a whale shark aquarium. Yes, the well over two hundred feet tall uh, giant whale shark, also mid, used for mega projection mapping, like leaping out of the ocean practically is. So it looks like the lagoon in front of you. There's a giant whale shark jumping out of it, but really there's like midway around it, and you can like enter obviously the whale shark aquarium. 
Then there is several major areas. We're kind of going to discuss this by area because there's just so much to talk there's about. So, so you much have, to talk about. You have the main street area, which is, again, like the, the covered canopy LED screen entering the ocean. Then you have on the right-hand side, when you enter, you're going to have Dolphin Cove, which has several kinds of unique dolphins. Um, we'll just start there. So There's Chinese river dolphins, Chinese which, river dolphins, which are, is really are one unique. of the only places in the world where you can see those. Yep, and it's like the whole story here is because in Guangzhou, some famous person got rescued by a Chinese river dolphin when they like drowned or something. So like, here we go. It's really, really, really particular to the region. Everyone loves it. So they have dolphin, um, Chinese river dolphins. They have a they have Pacific bottlenose dolphins. Pacific like, no Pacific white sided dolphins. Oh, white sided dolphins, which are located in their own different exhibit, which is really nice. All these exhibits have above and underground viewing, and then there is the giant dolphin theater. Which is home to a really good dolphin show with like high diving, and it's kind of like Sea Was Blue Horizons reimagined by Chamlang Ocean King. It didn't feel too original, but it was good though. There's a lot of dolphins. They have this little scene where they put a volunteer child into a boat that gets pulled around the lagoon by dolphins, while other dolphins jump around it. And I was so goddamn jealous of the little Most child. Most importantly, they play the music from Titanic. Oh yes, <laughs> it was, <laughs> well, an, emo- it was an emotional experience. They're literally playing. Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On while this little boy is being toted around in an inflatable dinghy by a dolphin. For it was a, so beautiful. I was, you guys, I was This dying. Chinese child. I was literally dying. I, I was so not. jealous. I wanted to be singing <laughs> while dolphins are jumping around me. It it's, was spectacular. I want to point out that this park is equal parts animal exhibits and non-animal related attractions and Almost every animal exhibit is like a perfect 10 out of 10. You know, we're going to tell you this, and you got to keep this in mind while we talk about the rest. We lived a few feet from SeaWorld Orlando, and I have like no interest in going to SeaWorld Orlando anymore because <laughs> Chamlang Ocean Kingdom just beat the piss out of SeaWorld Orlando. And at SeaWorld Orlando, it's just, it's just there. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm there. I'm like, wow, Kraken, you are boring and not themed. The well. only thing that Mako, SeaWorld currently so has over Ocean Kingdom is, is the Manta. orcas. Oh, and orcas. Well, the orcas are already in Chamlong Ocean Kingdom. Chamlong Ocean Kingdom's second gate, the giant indoor theme Marine park museum, science, yeah. is all about orcas. Um, but so, yeah, like, the exhibits and stuff, like, remember how amazingly landscaped they were? Everything is so landscaped. The entire park is so beautiful. Polished. It's so polished. Every the definition of polish. Is fine. There is dolphin the foliage. Characters inside the walkways, and it's everything is complete. Like the foliage is really, really beautiful. Just like it's lush one, because it's like a jungle down like there. Like a single dolphin exhibit with like just the like the terraformed walkways leading from the upper deck to the lower deck of the observation areas with like topiaries and uh, manicured hedges and different kinds of flowers and trees for us. Just one. Of the multiple and so, and dolphin I'm, exhibits. I'm not kidding you. Like, yeah, Dolphin Cove has three dolphin exhibits and then a dolphin ride in a giant dolphin theater. And all of this is complete. Like, every inch of it is custom designed and looks beautiful. And this is like a really small corner of the park. The Dolphin Cove dolphin is Cove the smallest part of the park. basically outclassed SeaWorld Orlando. Just so take that. Area. Because it was so spectacularly done. And they have a Dumbo ride where you ride on the back of a dolphin. Which is cool. That's the obligatory, like, ride of that area. So, like, just there, we, we, spent, we spent a good hour. I mean, this again, it's not in a chronological order because we were we went all over that park. We were there opening to close. We were there at 12 Naturally, hours. Naturally, we, we did one lap just hours. to hit all the credits, and then we 
you know, continue. Well, that was the plan to hit all the credits, but after Parrot Coaster, we didn't make it to Polar Explorer until, like, hours later, and then we didn't make the Volvo Splash till 4 p.m. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. We ended we up pacing get, ourselves because we got so... We ended up getting just distracted by the amazingness of this park. We got so wrapped up in, like, the experience that we forgot to be credit whores. That's how amazing this park is. So, the next area we're going to talk about is the area that's home to Parrot Coaster, which is the Rainforest area. The Rainforest. Area. So, Parrot Coaster is one of our very favorite coasters. It is the longest wind coast in the world. Or maybe it's the... No, I think it's still longer than Falcon. It is. It's not that tall. Because Falcon wastes a bunch of time, like episode one suggested. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, when you enter the ride, it still says on the marquee, Fly of a Rainforest. These are the names. Officially changed to Parrot Coaster. And even the queue is lush. It goes through a jungle and through these, like, huts and tunnels. And then you get to the actual station where it splits you up. The trains are... Beautiful scarlet macaws that actually light up at night, which yep. I hadn't seen that in a while. Like, yeah, the trains, while. Like, trains have trains LED, actually light up LED lights. Like all over the train. Not yeah. just like the ice, the but it's like train. all over the train. It looks amazing at night because the track is green and orange and it has the beautiful blue lights on the train. It's it's just incredible. And the ride itself is very, very good. The, lay, the layout is very much designed to kind of blend in with the whole area. So you have a straight first drop, always good. And instead of, like, an Immelman, you actually have a dive loop. So, like, you fly over the lagoon, and you dive back down to the rainforest, which is kind of sick. Then there's a weird S-turn up, yeah. and they have another straight drop down that goes into the rainforest, which is, a way, like, a straight a section. water feature with, like, water jets and Yeah, so it's, like, it's like a straight section of track that goes really low over the water with, like, a lot of fog and themed elements and a little river below it. So it's, it's all meant for, like, the scenic pause. So you go by the restaurant. So I guess from inside the restaurant, you have this look of, like, the macaw diving by every time. Yeah. And then there's a zero-g roll. The zero-g roll is followed by a very, very good S-turn into the mid- mid-course break. It kind of has that classic, like, B&M, like, fishhook approach into the mid-course, like, like Mantis and Riddler's <laughs> Revenge, and, like, where you, you, you hang a sharp, you know, a sharp quarter left and then into a three-quarter... Uh, opposite kind of upward helix into yeah. the mid-course classic B&M move and then it gets real interesting then it starts really interacting with the rest of the area so from the break run you can see the animal exhibit below which we'll talk about in a second and then you dive down to the first tunnel all tunnels are S-turn so either you navigate underneath the midway in the S-turn or over the midway in the S-turn so you navigate under the midway in the S-turn you come back up past the giant tree the, the center of the area which mm-hmm. is like a bunch of different birds located on it. It's it's very much a tree of life, but a little more simplified to, yeah. to be themed to that area. And it's you know like a like a tr- more tropical thing than like yeah the the boabob tree. But yeah, and so you make a slight turn, and there's the slow roll. And most rides end with a slow roll, but that thing isn't over yet. So that a slow roll is over the midway, and then you dive back down under the midway, and now the S turn into the final helix, a really tight upward helix, which has the photo op in it, which yeah. is actually through the trees and through the forest. So there's a lot of tunnels and. And, and forested bits, and then you hit the break room. But the ride itself is very long, very long. This, this ride is best-case scenario when, when you're not building just a coaster, but you're building an entire theme park from scratch and, like, an entire area that is infrastructurally cradling this roller coaster. And a great thing is, usually when, like, a themed area is so based around a mega coaster, like a large roller coaster, this thing's, like, 200 feet tall. I feel like it usually just gets... The coaster is overwhelming, but yeah. they did such a good job hiding the coaster. Like, there's moments yeah. where the coaster's underneath the midway. Like, it's below the midway for a lot of the ride. Walking through the rainforest area, there were moments where you weren't 
necessarily aware of a colossal B&M roller coaster around you. I mean, also didn't help that didn't dispatch our foliage, but there was no one there that day. The foliage so. and stuff with the ride blending in so well, it just is just. It's just best case scenario for this kind of thing. I couldn't imagine it being better than it was. It's like a pipe dream. And then right in that same area is actually one of the largest exhibits of the park, which is just called the Rainforest. What is it called? It has some sort of name. It's like a freshwater rainforest. Yeah, it had a name. I think it didn't mention manatees, but there was a bunch of manatees inside. It had um, I think it was just called the Rainforest Aquarium or something. It was actually one of the last exhibits that we saw. But um, still no less impressive. So we went through, and it's, I mean, it puts any manatee exhibit to shame. Like, Epcot and SeaWorld Orlando take several seats and back the train because you are nowhere near <laughs> what the hell Chamlin or Kingdom did. So it's a very, very large area, lots of aquariums, a beautiful landscape. This is not just the building you're in. It's, you really feel like you're in a rainforest, and you're walking through these waterfalls and all these different kinds of tropical fish. And there's little tunnels you can go through, and then there's even smaller tunnels for the kids. This area actually uh, highlights a lot of like marine life and, and freshwater animal life that is local. It's part of like the more swampy regions of South China. Lots of catfish. Mm-hmm. Um, the catfish in this exhibit are incredible. Some of them were so huge. They were like the size of... And the cool thing Water is that everything, <laughs> everything in the exhibit felt like it was one. It didn't feel like a bunch of different kind of fish in different kind of aquariums. And I don't want to say it felt repetitive, but it felt very cohesive. So yeah. there, and then the main tank, which you walk around, pretty much the exhibit kind of goes around the giant main tank. You keep peeking in and out of the main tank. And then the main tank has the manatees in there. And it's a giant tank. Like, these manatees have so much space. It, it was awesome. I just can't believe the how naturally it was. big enough felt. that even though the water was crystal clear, the manatees could disappear into the distance. There was quite a bit of manatees, area. but they were like, it was so large that it was sometimes hard to even find one. They're like, where is yeah. that? And all of a sudden, there's a manatee. You're like, yeah. this is crazy. That's where I see where the land of the manatee are just, it's just, it's kind of there. It's not really not that large. So that was really, really cool. Well, um, we love UC World. We really do. We really do. But I was want to let the world know that. China, China, the Chinese theme parks are not necessarily yeah. bad at what yeah. they do, like when it comes to animals, because this park. Mad respect. Chaimon Group has it locked up. My goodness. And, and then, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. So that's the rainforest area. Oh, they have that, they have a, like a parachute drop tower type thing. Oh yeah, they add it flowers. Later. Yeah. Really cool. In fact, it's, it's they have two, of, they have a small one and a tall one. Yeah. Imagine like jumping jellyfish at like California Adventure or Disney Sea, you know, whichever. Um, but giant and two right next to each other. One twice as tall as the other. Uh, we didn't write it, but it looked really pretty. And then the next point of interest is the world's largest aquarium with the world's largest aquarium wall with will sharks. And this is the will shark you saw earlier, like the will shark exhibit. One side of the park is less developed than the other side of the park. So the part, side of the park with the dolphin cove and the rainforest, which blend together very well because they're very tropical themes, is the one side, but... Behind that is a mountain. And the other side of the park has a lot more going on. So we, we're at the end of the park where the giant will shark is at. And then inside is a giant aquarium. So it starts with a couple of cute, you know, just regular smaller aquariums, which are still a pretty decent size. Really amazing. And then about halfway through, you turn a corner and there is the world's largest acrylic aquarium wall with behind it the world's largest aquarium. And it's so breathtaking. You stand there, you're like, wow. And we thought, okay. So we read on, on the internet that they had two whale on sharks. On the park map, it said two, par- it said, or two whale sharks, 
Starry Night and Starry, Starry. Starry and Starry Night. So we're like, okay, cute. Like, this is cute names for these wheels. So we or the wheel sharks. So we're inside there and we see two. We're like, wow, it's Starry and Starry Night. And moments later, we see a third one. We're like, and we're like oh, oh there's God, a third one. Starry. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Night? <laughs> That's so funny. And then we stand the window for like 20 minutes because we're so enamored. All of a sudden, we start realizing there's not just three there's four there's four so we're like oh my god let's take a video there's four look at this four yeah and then we realized how big this tank was so yeah. the tank is way to hell the back there so you can never see all five at the same time unless you stand there for an hour yeah. which we did yeah and so five. suddenly we're like five. holy crap there's five there's five <laughs> wheel sharks in this aquarium as soon as we dying. calmed down about the fact that there was actually four instead of three despite being told that there was there's two, two there's right. actually five and we just lost it. We're like, oh my god, this is crazy. And we're like, super fanboying. And like, I know what you're thinking. Five whale sharks in one tank, like, that's too many whale sharks. Actually, five whale sharks in one tank still means that you don't even see any of them. This because tank. this tank is so massive. How massive? Chinwong Ocean Kingdom broke five Guinness World Records, all of which they still hold, um, including world's largest oceanarium with a total of 48.7 million liters or 12.87 million U.S. gallons of water. Um, in this tank. So this is one single tank that is so big that five whale sharks practically disappear in it. It was almost impossible to see all five of them at yeah, once. Yeah, we tried to make taking pictures Because they would. They would go and disappear into, like, hidden parts of the aquarium and whatnot. Um, and so yeah. that was super impressive. And then the, you go around, there's a couple more smaller aquariums, and then you walk through the aquarium, which I didn't realize standing at the acrylic wall, then far in the distance, there was actually a part where you go through it, and then there's actually another side of the aquarium where there's a dark ride inside the aquarium. So the this aquarium ride. is so incredibly massive, like, I cannot... Yeah, the aquarium is so big you. that it has an underwater walkthrough tunnel and also two dark ride tunnels, and you can't see any of them from each any other. Any of the other windows. Because even though the water is crystal clear and, and pristine, because they're so far from each other. So after doing to this say amazing, nothing of the thousands and thousands and thousands of other sea creatures, I mean, living there was also in a this, giant manta ray, like the biggest I've ever seen, like one the of the largest manta ray I've ever seen in my it life. It was like the size of a whale shark. Sea and turtles, it was just like going around a freaking aquarium. Unbelievable! I mean, just a staggering number. It's one of those aquariums where, like, organisms. you should be like, "Wow, you look at this manta ray, you're like this is so impressive." Yeah. But then you're dead aquarium, and you only look yeah. at like the giant manta ray, the whale sharks, all these. Turtles, you don't think about all these giant sharks. You don't think about yeah. because there's just the largest. The fact that like there. possibly the largest manta ray in captivity is in this aquarium is actually overshadowed by the fact that there's, there's five, five whale sharks, sharks in it, and they just dwarf everything. So that's so fantastic. And Among, then there's like a elect- there's an electric eel exhibit also in the same aquarium, uh, yeah. which has like. Wait no, they're more eels. More eels, so yeah. they are. There's so many of them. So many. I was and like, they were so fantastic. cute. They're all cuddled up together and. And like all these different little hidey holes that they have. There was just a ton of different aquariums inside of this greater exhibit that, I mean, we'll never see another thing like this. It was so, I mean, Actually, it was so spectacular. The second gate, the indoor amusement park <laughs> that's being built by Next Channel Ocean Kingdom is going to beat its own records with the world's largest acrylic wall and yeah. the world's largest aquarium tank, which is actually going to house the nine killer whales that they fish out of the ocean. Yeah, so right like, now, yeah, the, the park has the... Guinness World Record for being the largest aquarium in the world, largest aquarium window, and the largest single acrylic panel, which is 130 feet by 27 feet, or 40, I get 39.6 meters by 8.3 meters. And again, all these records are going to be broken next year when they open so their actually, next game. Yeah, every record that they broke by opening the whale shark aquarium, they're going to break themselves by opening their orca aquarium. Yeah. 
which is only part of that's only a small part of the giant new indoor theme park next door. But that's that's discussion we'll have a little bit later yeah. on. Um, so that was absolutely fantastic. And then we wrote the dark ride, which is an omnimover that tilts forwards, backwards. Like you're in you're in and out of the aquarium several times, which is really, really cool. You cannot miss that. It has a bunch of different scenes, including one of an erupting volcano where it's you projection encircle mapping and stuff. the volcano. That's projection map erupting. There's a lot of other things going on, but they keep popping it out of the main aquarium. And so that was super impressive. One of the greatest things we've ever done. Like that was a standalone attraction. I would have paid a hundred bucks to see it. Yeah, it was fantastic. But it's the part of the theme park. Actually, I mean, we went to the aquarium twice throughout the day because it was so spectacular. It I actually, think we spent like two I think hours. I got, so I got emotional though. looking at the. It was so beautiful. I practically cried. Like I couldn't believe how beautiful and pristine that aquarium was, and just how breathtakingly huge uh, and special those whale sharks are. And then we moved over to the next area, which was the polar area. Yes. Where we were about to ride Polar Explorer, but then we saw the Beluga exhibit. We were like, we have to go see this yes. because the Beluga exhibit entrance was awesome. Very, very cool. Very large exhibit. Lots of Beluga wheels. And then we also saw the Beluga show, which is a, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Very, very mm. educational. The very large stadium. They had eight, I think, Belugas at once, maybe six or eight um, in that show. But I think the company has like 38 Belugas total, which they also have a different facility where they also have the orcas, where there's more, more blue guys, but it's a different story. Yeah. Um, they seem to really have the interest of the animals, like, at heart. Like, the, the facilities were very clean, very well maintained. There was, I'm not saying this to bash any Chinese people, but the exhibits were filled with Western um, animal handlers. And from my research, there is several very, very well-known animal trainers from around the world, veterinarians that all work for Charmon Group now. Um, so animal welfare seemed to be on point except for one exhibit, but we'll go into that in a second. But the belugas were amazing. There was a really, really great show. They had like fake snow and... This was my first time. I've never, I've never even heard of like a trained beluga show. Like... Yeah, well, SeaWorld San Antonio has a beluga show. Azul. Well, they changed the name, but they have beluga show. But yeah, other than that, beluga shows are not very popular. Yeah. Are not very much a thing except for Asia. But this was like beautifully orchestrated. I, just, I didn't realize awesome. that belugas were so capable in the same way that like dolphins and orcas. I mean, are dolphins. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. I just didn't. I, like, I get like por- porpoises are amazing. Well and I just had no idea. I was ignorant to the, what was possible. So that was fantastic. And then afterwards, we rode Polar Explorer, which is one of the two water coasters at the park. It is a copy, sort of, of Max. What's it Poseidon. called? Poseidon at Europa Park. Believe it or not, like this park on paper, the coaster collection seemed a little odd because this place has two Mac water coasters, one of the traditional variety and one that's a Mac Super Splash, which has larger boats, but the boats can't turn corners on roller coaster track. If you're familiar with the SeaWorld Park, so it's like a journey to Atlantis type coaster like at San Diego or Orlando, and then like a Journey to Atlantis-type coaster uh, at SeaWorld San Antonio, but in the same park, and uh, extended versions. The Polar Explorer is the more traditional six- or, like, eight-passenger vehicle water coaster, and the coaster track portion of the ride... Isn't until, like, halfway through. Yeah. So you start off, and you kind of float through the sort of town, yeah. like, the, you know, the, the Nordic town... And then you take a turn, there's um, several bear exhibits, like, outside, and you're also outside. So you're going through the bear exhibits, there's live bears all around you, which is kind of cool. The bears were the only thing in, in the park where I wasn't the happiest with. They just didn't seem 
it just didn't seem like they were in the right spot, but that's okay. Um, then we now then the actual coaster starts, which is super smooth, very very good coaster. The great thing is that most of the coaster takes place behind the mountain they built for it, so you don't see the coaster when you're not when you're when you're on the midway. Anywhere in the park, you cannot see this coaster. You don't see the coaster until you're actually on it, which is great. And then you make your way through the mountain, and you have the big, no, the first big splashdown, which is located in the big lagoon. And then you go up the second lift hill, and there's you no, know, there's the final drop in an airtime hill into the second splashdown. Very, very solid coaster. Amazing theming. The queue is amazing. The integration with the midway is spectacular. It was just overall. I don't even know what to say. It was just it didn't feel like a water coaster, which is a great thing. The layout is the same like basic layout as like I, I guess like uh, Mac has like a basic like a standard water coaster layout that has two coaster portions separated um, by a water splash portion in the middle. Um, but I think what sets all of these similar designs apart is the second water splash leading back to the station and then I guess everything between the station and the first lift hill is different. Like according to Roller Coaster Database, these are all custom designs, but the coaster portions are all virtually identical. Um, so I, I think that's probably the case: is that they have it's it's like the coaster track bits are clones, but the flume parts are all custom um, to fit the needs of each individual client, which is cool. Um, but yeah, beautiful ride. Yeah, only a track detractor being the the thing with the bear exhibits, which the bear exhibits look really nice. But I guess I don't know. I don't know enough about bears to know like what a bear exhibit should look like, but I don't know if... The, I don't know. Let's just say that the polar... Well, let's say this. The entire park is a masterpiece. Every inch of the park is beautifully designed, um, but it feels like the park started construction with two exhibits, the bear exhibit and, and the, the penguin, penguin exhibit. exhibit, and I think that's where they realized, okay, we're not we're not doing something right. We're not, we're not doing the quality that we should be doing because... Everything else in the park is of absolute outstanding quality, except for the bear exhibit and the penguin exhibit. They were just weren't that great. They were filled with animals, and they had a lot to see and do. But they just didn't feel like the quality that we've seen yeah. elsewhere. Like they just felt kind of Chinese in that mm-hmm. matter. And again, not saying this to be derogatory, but it just did not feel as as full of quality and as polished as the rest of the park. The ride itself, however, it was very good. Polar Explorer is the best water coaster of its type that we've ever ridden. Our course. hope would be that, like, based on how well all the aquatic animals are taken care of and like the I think the penguins looked well cared for it was just I guess the exhibit, the exhibit was wasn't really yeah it was kind of rough around the edges from like a consumer standpoint but the animal exhibit itself was huge and it looked well maintained hopefully we're just ignorant to you know bear keeping <laughs> and what and what I guess what a bear exhibit should look like because we just don't really know I guess we need, we could do more research on that but but it definitely still looked better than many of you've seen yeah. in the U.S. So yeah, if that helps. I guess I guess yeah. I would still say that maybe by the standards of the park, the bear exhibit isn't as nice. But probably by the standards of like an American zoo, or especially for Asian zoos, or certainly it's still a, a spectacular zoo in the nice. Far East, still really nice. And then we continued on through the kitty area, which kitty area is nice. There, the it was nice. They have several, several. It, attractions they have a touch pool that's very much like Steel San Diego's mm-hmm. entrance to the park which is very nice um, they have a little street uh, I think it's called Hero Island where there's a bunch of animatronic characters in and out of the windows like interacting with the guests I mean of course it's, it's, it's animatronics but that was very very nice they had some performances at night that seemed very inter- interactive then there is 
the newest area of the park, the newest wing, I forgot what it's called, but it's home to a lot of different birds. Pelican something. Pelican it's very aviary, a- a- aviary oriented. A bunch of different kinds of birds. There were turtles, there were seals, there were gardens, there was a family like roller coaster. and cranes, both the kitty area and the pelican, pres- I think it's like pelican preserve or something. Both of these areas have the park's newest coasters, which according to Roller Coaster Database, the new coasters both opened in 2018, and they're two different Tivoli coasters. The Penguin Coaster, which bridges the Penguin exhibit side of the polar area to the kitty area, is like a really small, basic, circular with fog Tivoli effects. coaster. With like fog <laughs> effects and stuff, and you go through it like Very polished, even though times. it's the size of the smallest Six Flags coaster. And then they have Jungle Coaster, which is a larger Tivoli. It's like... I think it's like the same basic layout as like kind of what we have here at SeaWorld, the Oscar the Grouch Kitty Coaster, formerly Shamu Express. But slightly slightly modified. And what's funny is is it has parrot-themed trains, too. It has parrot-themed trains. It's the second of two parrot coasters in the park, but since... And it seems to like the coaster jungle. So I have like videos. Yeah, it's called Jungle Coaster. Inside of the queue. The queue's gorgeous. The station's gorgeous. It has this giant wasp structure thing that yeah, you go so under the theme that, like, is that they go on an adventure and then like you get trapped in the wasp nest and they have to get out and so <laughs> they show that like on animation in the video and it just yeah that's pretty much what it does and so then it goes through the ride and through those themed elements that you also see in the video so that's pretty spectacular um, and then from there you work your way back around to um, Walrus Harbor or what was it called? Mount Walrus. Ma- yeah, yeah the, well, yeah, the Mount Walrus area of the park, which is one of the largest areas of the park, has Walrus Splash, which is the park's other water coaster, which <coughs> excuse me, has um, an incredible uh, partial tunnel through a large animal exhibit, which actually has, it has seals in it, as opposed to walruses. The huge walrus exhibit is next to the ride. Um, but the walrus coaster actually goes through the exhibit with the seals in it. Um, walrus Splash, such a fun ride. Um, feel, kind of feels more like a shoot-the-shoot than a coaster in the context of the two water coasters in the park because you just go up into the giant lighthouse and then you go backwards down the little down up into another turntable, which turns you back forward and you're face-to-face with the peak of Walrus Mountain, Mount Walrus. Mount Walrus. It's actually perfect because walruses, when they sit on their like on their fins, they kind of look like a giant mountain of sorts. <laughs> um, and you dive down between between the two walruses of Mount Walrus uh, and into the the splash pool. Uh, spectacular ride that <laughs> for some somehow manages to not feel uh, redundant, even though it shares a park with another. Mac Water Coaster. I guess Europa Park does too, because they both. Europa Park has both rides and they work, but Europa Park also has like a bunch of other roller coasters. And this is these are two of the three like marquee coasters in the park, not counting you know the kitty coasters. And they seem so similar on paper, and yet as we were riding them, the themes are so different, the execution is so different. And the areas are beautiful. So you have several, like three or four major exhibits that are woven into the ride, which is just looks pretty like standard. And so they have a giant walrus exhibit that is right below Mount Walrus. So from the Mount Walrus, like you'll see the walruses swim around and then you look up and you can see the giant mountains of walruses with the ride in between. And then there the ride splashdown is actually right next to 
a seal exhibit where the water is themed to leak from the seal exhibit into the ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then there is the actual um, sea lion exhibit, which is then also part of the of the pre-lift. So, you know, you kind of coast around and you go underneath. You go into the glass tank of, of the seal. So, overall, the area is beautiful. The, the theme is kind of a mix between... What would you call that? Is it like... Not Pacific Northwest, like the East. Um, um, it's Cape like Cod-ish, Cape Cod. Yeah. But then, like, Cape Cod meets Pacific Northwest, where it's, like, gorgeous. So, that's really cool. And then, what else do we have in that park? Uh, well, there's a rock and tug in that area, too. <laughs> like a little, a little fishing boat rock and tug. Uh, well, that pretty, I think that wraps up, like... The, what the areas are. Uh, but yeah. then, the park also had a giant parade, which is, like, Disney level. And had a giant daytime parade and a giant nighttime parade. And the nighttime parade had, like, fog and had fire effects and was all spectacular. And then there is the park's closing show, which is a 360 show. That was absolutely the most spectacular thing we've ever seen. I don't think I've ever been in such awe. Like, I cried. It was fantastic. Yeah. I heard of it and I saw videos, like, years ago when the park opened. I was, like, really hoping they were doing it. I kept asking people. They said, oh, at 8 p.m. So, okay, cool. It's called ocean resistance it's kind of like it seems like the ocean fighting back to people you know polluting which i kind of liked but like it was it was so spectacular so there was fire there was perimeter fireworks there were seven spots around the parks around the park where they would launch simultaneous fireworks and then there was one main spot of fireworks behind the will shark the will shark statue itself had laser beams on it and projection mapping the center, of the, par- the center of the lagoon had a volcano that sped a bunch of fire. There's a pirate ship There's in the lagoon. There's a pirate ship too. in the lagoon. There is dancing <laughs> fountains like Bellagio with the colors. And then imagine all that happening at once. And also, there's a drone show there's a that's drone happening show. above all of there's this. There's jetpack, water jetpack. Oh my god, yes. There's like. Skiers with fireworks. There's attached fireworks to their attached to the. Yeah, so there's fireworks attached to the, the jetpack, water acrobatics and then there is these jet skis that go around the lagoon in circles that have fireworks attached to them you can only see this in china because <laughs> in america be- it wouldn't be legal so like at this point there's like a dragon of drones flying above the park spitting fire yeah well there's a volcano erupting there's hundreds of fireworks going off at once yeah. there's music everywhere there's water fountains and there's like people doing front flips in the sky with fireworks attached to them and water attached to them while jet skis are going in circles launching fireworks in front of your face I and cannot believe. Water, I cannot there's believe. Also water part. projections happening. Oh my god! The story there's so much happening about the legend of the whale shark. Or and something. there's like it's like a 30 minute show of continuous. I mean, and then after the climax and everything explodes and is spectacular, it dissolves into a dance party, like a house, like Chimelong Paradise theme song dance party. Yeah, so this is when the park closes. So it's like a half hour of dance party and there's fountains and there's still fire and there's still all these acrobatic, uh, all these acrobats and the jet skis are waving at you and it's just like, you're in such awe of what just happened. It's been, it is the most spectacular, the most spectacular show I have ever even dreamt of. It was it's funny insane. because like, we saw I cannot this, believe how insane We were watching this like the same week that Epcot Forever debuted. And so we, <laughs> Epcot Forever is so shit, came, y'all. So we came home and we were like at Epcot. We're like, should we watch Epcot Forever? And I'm like, no, I don't have time to be insulted by God. Epcot Forever. Existing. So I, everyone, I advise you to look up the Chamlong Ocean Kingdom closing show. And even though you're going to see an old version that doesn't have the drone show and is lacking some of the new stuff, you'll see what I mean. Like imagine that and then upgraded. Absolutely fantastic. And the music is so great. So that just kind of like ran out our day and it was 
It was probably like it the was most the second time of day that I day. Like, I almost cried. It was so spectacular. Like the music was so incredible and the storytelling. Even though we couldn't understand what they were saying, you could feel it. Like I mean, there was just so much going on. It's like complete total sensory overload. The music. It was. I think it's the first time it was ever completely yeah. sensory overloaded. There was just so much happening all at once, and it was all so spectacular and real when in front of you. Because you just at the water. These like fireworks are launched a feet from you, like several feet. Yeah, this, could, this wouldn't like, work in America. This would never work in America. The, the but it was pack, so amazing. The, the water jetpack people shooting fireworks from their feet. I mean, the fireworks. And then there's jet skis going go between the crowd and, periodically. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Also, was oh, and the water catches on fire at one point. It does like the oh yeah. Classic, so they, they, like, they light up the whole they had light up the whole lagoon. This is the beginning of the show. Yeah, when there's like a lava scene, and then but then the show just takes off, and then out of that becomes the world. There's the ocean. Like there's definitely it's, jet it's, skis riding through. Fire, water oh happening as the jet skiers with fireworks attached to their feet do backflips in front of the crowd. I, While there are six perimeter yeah. fireworks shows happening all at once, when, and, and with Chinese fireworks, not just U.S. fireworks, like Chinese did you mention fireworks. That there's two sets of drones because it starts with the drones begin as a dragon flying through the air, um, and then they exchange themselves for another set of drones that turn into a jellyfish that is and like a stingray in the air. and then it's it turns all, into a stingray. Yeah. So like it all. So there's a whole drone show too, like an actual professional large drone show taking place above the whole fireworks spectacular. It is it is insane the amount of elements. This nighttime show was worth the price of admission. Oh, totally. I would have paid a hundred for that. I would have paid a hundred for yeah. the bull sharks exhibit. I would have paid a hundred for the rest of the park. I would have paid like three hundred bucks. Comfortably paid like hundred dollars just to see the nighttime show. And, and that's left, it. Like, yeah. Standing ovation. And then we left the park in complete utter awe. I bought like a hat. We bought like toys. We bought yeah, all this kind of Chinlong shit. We're like, we love this park. We're gonna get a tattoo. What a Chinlong Ocean Kingdom bingo set. <laughs> we, just, we just love Chinlong Ocean Kingdom. We just love Chinlong Ocean Kingdom so much. And so we then, were actually like kind of beside ourselves and like coming realizing that we liked this park better than Shanghai Disney was, was really painful. hard for us because we were not prepared for this. But we were like, you know what? We were on the fence, and we thought about it, and we're like, what this park has accomplished um, is so much more impressive. Because, I mean, like, yeah, Shanghai Disney's amazing, but when you're Disney, you can do whatever you want. Of course you can drop $5 billion on a theme park in Shanghai. It's Disney. It's the most powerful entertainment entity in the world. And then you have Chimong Ocean Kingdom, which built a park that is equally as impressive. If not more so. Um, I would say more impressive. On a, on a uh, 15-year max... Amusement Park Legacy, <laughs> like a, re- a, a, a regional Chinese company that means nothing to anyone outside of Guangzhou. Nobody then, outside of the Kanto region even knows, really. And cares. you would think it sounds ambitious for them to say we're going to be the next Walt Disney World, but we're not kidding. They have it in them because Ocean Kingdom is fantastic. They have some of the nicest hotels in the region, but there's dolphins swimming in the hotel lobby pools. Like, yeah. It is absolutely spectacular. And yeah, then we went up to the Penguin Hotel to get a taxi, and the there's hotel is in there. And then the hotel is incredible. It's considered like the low budget hotel, and it's yeah. still a super nice hotel with views of the lagoon inside the park. It was. And then they're opening next year the world's largest indoor theme park, which has the world's largest aquarium, which is filled with orcas. I mean, yeah. this is this this entity is building the most spectacular things on earth. People may not know about Chime Long, but Disney knows about Chime Long because Disney because Hong Kong Disney is hurting. And yeah, Chimelong Hong is Kong doing Disney is hurting. Well. Chime Long Water Park uh, took the, the attendance record away. I mean, Disney had the attendance record for the water parks. They had the two, the number one and number two attended water parks in the world handily. For years. For years. And, and then, Chimelong swoops in both And then it was like 2016, I think. Chimelong just 
one year just came in and took the attendance record away and by a significant margin. And now it's now there's distance. There's I think I remember there being like millions of people. And if you think that traveling isn't a big deal, we were in the Shanghai Metro and there were ads for traveling Ocean Kingdom. There were ads for traveling Paradise. There were ads for traveling Safari. Like. Chamlong is known around the country, and people will travel down to go on vacations to Chamlong. Chamlong is amazing. A three and a half hour flight from Guangzhou. Like, yeah, that's across the country not, for them. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like being in New York and seeing an advertisement for you know Walt Disney World, which you will. But that yeah. again, that's that's the scope. Yeah, and so they're also planning on building another giant theme park in the hills and another park. So they're building four parks in Hanking, which is where Chamlong Ocean Kingdom is, and they're building their Chamlong Forest Kingdom Resort. North, so like this, this theme park company is just like doing what Disney did, but then yeah. way sooner and with the same attendance records. Yep. Um, and then we try going home. Yeah, that was. We try going back to the hotel. So yeah. we get to we get to the Penguin Hotel and we ask the concierge like he you know help us get a taxi. No one understood English, so we used the Google Translate thing. And so they get us a taxi to go to the train station. Train station half hour away because this again this is very remote. This is on the ocean, remote next to Macau. Just beautiful. Beautiful. We very talk about how gorgeous the setting is. We're like the park has its own bay. It's called the um, the Hanking Hanking Chamlong like Bay. Yeah, like, Hanking, it's their own bay. bay. Yeah. yeah. It's um so beautiful and unspoiled by anything. You know, it's it's 100% Chamlong completely. You're in your own little world. It's just a lush jungle valley valley with with thousand foot mountains, you know, facing the sea, it's just stupendous. Yeah. So it's worth it's worth the effort. Being going as hard as it is to get there, you know, you really just need a taxi. And it didn't seem to be a problem because yeah. eleven million people I mean, made yeah, it there last year. Fine. But it's so worth it because you are just in another place. You were completely in a different place. And then we had to take a train over. Well, we had to take a bus taxi over to the train station, which we're like, all right, that's cool, because it's like, at this point, it's 11 p.m., we just right. left the park, and we have to get back to our hotel, which is two hour, two and a half hour drive away. So we're like, all right, we'll just take a train, see so if we take an hour, we'll yeah. just take a metro, which we should be the hotel. We thought we were being responsible. And no, the hotel said, take the train, here's the train, you know, here's the train a station. So you get dropped off there, and we wait in a forever queue to get to the actual ticket purchasing, and not a single sign is in English. It says, like, information in English, but then all the information is in Cantonese. So we get to the ticket booth or whatever, and the guy is like, passports. And we're like, shit, our passports are in our hotel in a city two and a half hours away, you know, where our hotel is. So we end up in the hotel, well, we end up in a train station, and the guy's like, you know, you can't pay for tickets. We show our Florida IDs, doesn't work, they're, like, yelling at each other. Because we're like just giving the money and we're giving our IDs and we're giving the phone a translation that says this is government issued ID from the United States. Please get us, you know, let us buy a train ticket. Eventually, after arguing, they refused us, and or refused us, I should say, and then eventually went to the taxi stand, which had a line outside <laughs> of about I want to say an hour, but a half hour. There, there was just like people. There was a long queue, and we're like, no, and everyone's like. Just waiting for a taxi, and so we came up with this genius idea because we could have figured that the taxi's gonna tell us to take a train back to the hotel because we're at a train station, but we couldn't take a train. And how are we gonna tell the, the taxi that we couldn't take a train because it wouldn't tell us a ticket? So we had this clever idea to just jump in the taxi, and then the police would make them start moving because we're in the taxi, and then we would just show the business card from the hotel and be like, This is where we have to go. Yeah. And so we did, and they said, Well, this is crazy, it's so far away, you have to pay for all the express. Or you know, for the yeah. for the highway, whatever. We're like, it's fine because you no, know, they have a lot of toll down there. 
And so we drove two and a half hours back to the hotel. Yeah. But it was Again, it really, we talked about this in the first episode of the China stuff, but it was like, taxis are really not that expensive. They're like 20 to 25 cents a minute. We just have wasted so much time on getting a taxi all the way to the train station to then be the train station forever and then actually to find another taxi. And we were like, worst case scenario, we'll taxi hop. We'll take it. Yeah, I was we'll like, we'll just go from city to city to city. As far as they'll take us and then find another taxi to take us as far as they'll take us and so on. But yeah. I never, never got needed, to be that which is nice. It was, it was fine. And then the next day, we went to Happy Valley Shenzhen. Spectacular highs to crippling spectacular. Yeah, so we went from the best day of our trip to the worst. Besides getting engaged, to the worst day of our trip. Which was OCT East at Happy Valley Shenzhen. It was such a We started with Happy Valley Shenzhen, which was a disaster because... First, we took a two-hour taxi there. Almost everything in the park was closed. The invert was open, which we love because it's the original... Like giant SLC with like a copa roll and a vertical loop and then zero G rolls. But that was really cool. Everything else was closed. Everything was closed. They were still building Pulsar, so the mine train was going to be part of the same theme. So they yeah. had that down. They for were building a new, a new area of the park that included a Mac Power Splash, which opened like a month later, and they were retheming uh, and re-rock working the mine train. So that was closed. And, and then Tibetan Eagles apparently the intimate, or the intimate the, the uh, SNS compressed air launch coaster was down too which is a pity because I rode it in 2015 and it was one of my favorite coasters so in the park of five coasters one thing was open at this yeah. point I was like you know what let's just bounce we, we, sat, didn't, even, we didn't even get we the sat in front of a, yeah we, just, we were just leaving so we yeah. sat in front of Tibetan Eagle for a second because we thought maybe it would open but everyone kept coming up to us yeah, saying like why like, are you sitting there it's not opening, opening. and we're like damn if everyone's staff member goes out of way to go yeah. over to us and tell us to leave then I really don't think we should be like, here. We were down about it because it's such a cool ride, but we thought about it. Like, you know, we've had so many wins. Like, this park was a dud. That's what we get. I think the takeaway from all of this, like, we went to Happy Valley Shanghai on a Friday, and that kind of sucked because Woodcoaster Fireball and the Mega Light were down. We go to Happy Valley Shenzhen on a Friday, and the park is a shit show. We're like, okay, we just need to prioritize. We, when we do Happy Valley Parks, we have to go on Saturdays. We had designated our Saturdays for parks that were higher priorities for us, and by and large, we were as successful well, as we Well, the main reason be. that we planned Guangzhou Sunak, which is the day after, um, on Saturdays, because they have that racing, Intamin, Invert, and Blitz Coaster, and we were told that only on Saturdays would they run at the same time, so we could race, but it didn't happen, but that's a little yeah. bit later on, so... Then we went uh, from Happy Valley Shenzhen. We hitched a taxi who was yeah. trying to rip us off. We're like, yeah. no, pay, no, we're going to pay less. Yeah. Anyways, and we took it over to OCT East, which is Night Valley. Night Valley, Night Valley is home to Wood Coaster, which is a spectacular wooden coaster. Wood Coaster is a beautiful, it's like, okay, so take a, a Chinese mountain valley and take Thunderhead at Dollywood and like double it in size and you have Wood Coaster. And so that park is built in a giant hillside in an abandoned tourist town that was built but never actually used. So it's really creepy. So you get there and it's, it's grandiose. I guess the largest theme park we've ever been to. The largest perhaps mm-hmm. in the world. And so we get in there and there's a million staircases to go up, a million little escalators. And we get to all these little platforms that have rides on them and they're all dilapidated and pretty crap. And then we eventually make our way to Woodcoaster, which... Dispatch every 10 minutes, I think. So you gotta, they just kind of make you wait and then they bring it to the station, which is a phenomenal roller coaster. Alex had ridden it before. Um, I don't even know the dimensions of the ride, but it is it is grandiose. It goes through the hills. You've probably seen it on like Facebook. It's over 4,000 feet long. It took them a year and a half to build it because they didn't use any major machinery. Just for reference, like 
from the entrance of the park to Wood Coaster is exactly a one-mile walk. Yep. So you do a lot of walking, a lot of going up stairs, up escalators, up broken escalators, climbing hills, swinging from rope vines, some pinfall kind of stuff. Not really. But it was a lot. Getting up to the ride feels like an accomplishment. You can actually rent little taxis from at the bottom of the park to like drive you up to the top. It's the only park I've ever been to that has a uh, taxi rental system. Which, I mean, people who complain about going to a place like Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, and it's like, oh, so many hills, oh, so much walking. Like, no. Night Valley. OCT. Night Valley. But the main problem with that resort is that the park is so big and dilapidated and they can't maintain it. No one's there. So, like, it looks so run down. And so we kind of rode the wooden coaster a couple times, and then we took the Which giant is really wonderfully maintained. Like, the wooden coaster. All the money went to the wooden in coaster. In 2015, I could tell that it had track work done. And again, on our visit, I could tell it had track work in other places done. The trains had been maintained. I mean, the trains are not in the The ride's shape, been very well. But, like, they had the new lap bars, the ergonomic ones from Gersh... Uh, not Gershlauer, from GCI. Like, they've been putting money back into Woodcoaster. But it appears to be one of the only things that they're putting any money into. Because we took the um, this cable car ride, whatever it's called, the cable, mm-hmm. the, uh, the sky yeah. ride, to the top of the mountain. Very, very top of the mountain. There's, a, like, a giant glass... There was a glass bridge that is closed because... The mountain is, like... 2,000 feet up. Like, yeah, and there's incredible. a couple of boosters up there, which you can the ride. The Fabry booster, like, Then there is, you know, giant bridges you can look around, and it, it's it's really, really, really high up. So it's, like, you know, one of those mountains that you walk on top of the mountain, and there's, like, little wooden it's walkways so and stuff. It's high that, like, you almost can't even see Wood Coaster with the naked eye because it's so far away. Yeah, it's, it's really, 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 really grandiose. But the problem is that that's all dilapidated. There is a hotel there that was built on top of the mountain that has been abandoned. Then there is a village that is abandoned. Then there is there's like go- a this temple is like a that's abandoned. and a tulip garden. And like a tulip then there's a tulip field. garden that you can't even get there's to. Like multiple hotels and golf courses and just like thousands and thousands and thousands of hotel rooms. and All and, of this ghosted. And the middle, the middle of the park has a hotel in it, and that hotel is ghosted. The employees live there. There's an old lock phone that went through the hotel that you can still see covered in vines. This resort complex is like the size of Disney World, except almost all of it is abandoned. Yeah, so like you. I'm not are, exaggerating. So you're standing it's there and you see this bridge. You're like, wow, it's, from a far away, the bridge looks like it's functional. But then you get to the bridge and you look at the bridge and it's like falling Crumbling. apart. There's no handrails, there's a part of the rug, there's the part that fell down. And then you yeah. see this giant hotel that's on the other side of the bridge. It's been completely abandoned. Yeah. Just like a hotel inside the park. Just like all these villas in the hills that are all part of the same OCT East mega, you know, mega complex that can hardly even get a thousand visitors a day. Yeah. Let alone fill any hotel rooms. And then we did all that, and we're like, wow, this place is honestly a freaking shit show. What a crap. And then we tried leaving, and you know, I saw another bridge, and I was like, this bridge is open, so let's go down this bridge. And we look on the map, and the map shows that the, you know. We took the cable car back down from the really high portion of the park back to, like, the, the uh, wood coaster level. And we rode wood coaster again, and then we stayed up in the uh, wood coaster level of the park and walked through the aviary and zoo. Which was a nightmare. Actually, before yeah, so we, we saw, saw that, was, we thought it was dead. Remember when we went to, we saw the one of the theaters for one of the shows, and they had a little kiosk, and they were selling pet jellyfish oh, inside yeah, of yeah. little keychains. That was really strange. And so then we walk over that bridge to get to the old aviary, which was clearly torn apart by some sort of tropical storm to get in the region. And so we walk into the area, and everything is kind of. You know, all the nets are kind of gone and dead. And it looks like an old zoo. We're like, wow, this is crazy. It's an abandoned zoo. 
It's a few moments later, there's actual <laughs> animals, and we're like, what is going on? Like, there's no one here. These animal exhibits have not been opened in forever. Like, they're just animals, like, living. And if you remember from our first episode, this company does not have animal welfare in their best regard. No. So, there's just, like, these little animals living everywhere. There's some dead animals that are on display for insect, like, dead insects everywhere on display. It was literally, like, a nightmare. It was really, really creepy. And then we keep going, and we keep seeing animals. At one point, we're like... 20 minutes into walking through this damn abandoned aviary zoo, and instead of these birds being in the aviary, there's like all these birds chained in these little cages. They had standing around full size adult toucans in, in cages a, the size of like a dishwasher. It was heartbreaking. It was really horrible. It made like, me, I was so upset that we really hated. Like first of all, it's Chris plays. He like goes down. It's kind of cool. But then like the moment you see a bunch of animals locked into this yeah. ghost zoo. Like, I don't even know if anyone, like, how often they get taken care of. There's just all these animals that are just locked in these cages in the zoo that no one's visiting. That was abandoned. We were so, I, was, I was so angry. Like, we were making a little, like, Instagram story. Like, okay, let's explore abandoned zoo. And we were like, shit, there's animals here. There's actual animals in this abandoned zoo. Like, this is not just an old part of the park that's closed off. We entered an actual whatever. It was really, really, really freaking bad. And then we tried leaving, and then we actually leave... Through an old part of the park. Yeah. There's no longer part of the like, park. Partial in, yeah, we accidentally... It's actually only for employees, yeah. but we actually wandered we in. We accidentally wandered Chinese. into, like, the service road area. There is just a whole bunch of weirdness going on in this park. One of the hotels, which is themed to shipping containers, because it's made out of old shipping containers, painted in bright colors. These The shipping container hotel has actually been converted into living quarters. For, for people the, who work there. We looked at the windows, and there's, like, people hoarding, like, floor-to-ceiling junk inside of their little hotel room hubble. Everything that about that park in. is so creepy. Even though I have a fully functioning winter coaster, they had a big park is they open. had a bob cart ride, a vegan Oh yeah. Cart. That has aviaries in the middle it of has it. Aviaries but in the like, middle with like peacocks inside that oh, they didn't so like maintain. Creepy, dude. Like it's really, really, real bad. Everything you see like just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it gets worse. It's so creepy. There's and a we giant- spent like a full day at this scary Empty parkers are so large, but it was so large. The so park used to have a, a giant log flume that, like, was probably the longest log flume in the world. Because I can't imagine a log flume being any bigger than this. The log flume actually, like, threaded the ho- one of the hotels, a different hotel. There's a hotel in the middle of the park, like, halfway between the entrance of the park and Wood Coaster. That's, like, abandoned and covered in vines. And there's a log flume that starts all the way... At the bottom of the park, like by the entrance, and then travels like a half a mile uphill through the hotel, turns around and comes back down through a series of like five or six different drops of different sizes, including one that threads back through the hotel, down what was once an enormous waterfall feature, and then further down under and around midways and into a lagoon, and all the way, I mean, just an incredible huge super expensive looking log flume that wasn't even that old and it's already abandoned and covered in vines i mean truly like this is a this is literally a place of nightmares like you could have a bad dream about going to an amusement park where like everything is abandoned and closed and dilapidated and there's people there but like this was it this was really this was actually a bad dream yeah it was really creepy and the event you made way our way all the way down to the front of the park by means of old park midways and employee midways and we were definitely not supposed to be there but yeah. then we finally got to the front of the park and we left it was the, by far the creepiest most 
upsetting theme park in our world. Like I loved it. So we saw all the animals. Yeah. Like I it mean, it was definitely 100% it was just cool at China. first. You know, like wow, it's so abandoned. It was so wow, abandoned. Wow, abandoned. culture, culture shock. Like wow, we're walking somewhere we're not supposed to walk, but then they see these damn animals, and it was just like, well, yeah. fuck, you know. There, there goes the adventure aspect. Now yeah. I'm just mad. Like, yeah. why would they even do this? Why don't they just sell all these animals that are clearly not making money off of anyways? We that would definitely go back. I would go back to Happy Valley Shenzhen, like just to get on the a Saturday, just to ride some stuff. But, but I've ridden wood coaster. I would not come we back. We don't really need to go back to. I don't think Valley. they could ever even afford another roller coaster. Yeah. So that was I'm, I'm amazed that Night Valley is even still open. Like it's only a matter of time, I think, for that one because it's a big fail. And then last but least, the next last day we were least. about to fly back to Shanghai, and we started our day in Guangzhou Sunak Land, which is very very similar to Wuxi Sunak Land in a way that it has like cultural. You know aspects that are very important to it, and it is home to two roller well two sets of roller coasters. There is the um, Arthur ripoff that's themed to flowers and gardens. Yeah. It has it's pretty cute. It has some dark ride elements and some cozy sections. Arthur at uh, Europa Park, the suspended powered family dark ride coaster thing. It was actually pretty fun, it was, and it had an actual coaster section. It was a knockoff, but it was it had a coaster section that. Turn corners, coasted uphill, like it was. It was actually really, really fun. And then they had the flying theater, which is actually one of the best really flying theaters you've ever theater. Super high quality, super high cap, uh, capacity. Like you filled up the entire theater, and the theater would just flip. Yeah. So instead of like it's swinging up yeah, like a Disney, up the stairs up to the top, and then you just board this platform that just lowers and then itself it down. And then everyone's looking at it, and it's very, very high quality. It goes around, you know, the Guangdong province, which is where Guangzhou and stuff is located. And then there is the park's racing blitz and invert launch coaster, the shuttle coasters from Intima. You've seen it, the really bright red and bright green coasters. You've seen it all over the internet, I'm They're sure. They're not as ugly in person as they are Because the ports are actually slightly different shade of green and red than the tracks are. But the problem is, we were told that on Saturdays, it would be the only days of the week that they would run both sides simultaneously. Or even run, run both sides and switch them off. Well, that already ended. The park was empty. It's a Saturday. It's really nice out, but it's just no one at this park. It so was that really sucks. Town. It was actually really sad. So really that. sad. Like it's really nice. I mean, it wasn't like a favorite park, but on it was, it was hand, a nice park. On the one hand, we were bothered because, of course, the 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 one side of Dueling Dragons that was open was the sit down, the Blitz, which, in my opinion, looked like the better ride because it has airtime and like a bunch of squirrely elements that you couldn't really do with an invert. But the invert's more unique. Yeah, the launched inverted coaster. Like that's. I mean, it's pretty cool. The ride's spectacular because it's like it has a vertical loop that um, is, you know, the invert on the outside and the loop, the, the sit down on the inside. And then it splits up and has really cool interactive elements. And so we only got to ride the sit down, the Blitz Coaster, which the, we loved. the red one, we which is very four good. Times and it's a really good ride in its own right. Good airtime, very very unique elements. Like nothing was conventional. But that's because it's racing technically. With it's that so invert. good that even if it was just built by itself without the inverted, would have still been a really good. It would have been a great ride in its own right. But still kind of sad that the invert was, you know, missing in action entirely. But we also, as much as we, like, as an enthusiast and you travel far away to go to a place like this and the coaster's closed, like, the compulsion is to kind of feel bad for yourself. And I'm definitely guilty of that. But in this case, I really, we were, I was grateful to get the sit, the, the sit down coaster and I was grateful to get the, the rip off Arthur coaster because that was really fun and different. Um, but really, I just felt bad for the park. Like, I hope for the park's sake, that they get to a better place operationally because... Hopefully, yeah, they I are... I don't blame them. The train station or the the uh, metro station attached is supposed to open, I think, this month. Yeah. So hopefully they'll bring enough people to the park because it wasn't very accessible 
Besides taking yeah. taxis, which never works for a like giant the theme park. park has so much potential. We did a big walk around, and it's got like several water rides, flat rides everywhere. There's we saw shows. Show. Yeah. They have an indoor coaster. That's um, about to open. That's, yeah, under construction. Um, so I've, I'm, like, I'm rooting for this park, and I feel like our Wuchi Sunak experience was positive enough that I feel confident about Guangzhou Sunak's future, and I hope for their sake that they're, they get to a point operationally where like they can run both sides of Tooling Dragons on the same day again. Like I get it. Like they ran I'm pretty sure they, they ran both of the coasters at the same time dueling for Media Day. Yeah, they had a whole And I'm lot. not confident that they ever actually dueled them again. Because the park is not besides it kinda reminds me of like when they did Maybe on Chinese New Year they yeah, will, but I ain't trying to be in did, China. <laughs> when they did uh, when when Full Throttle opened at Magic Mountain and they actually ran it where like they ran it like what? Well, they ran it where they had the the coaster going through the loop and going over. No, that the top was only the for time. the uh, that was only for the animation. That would never actually never actually happen because they can't dispatch till the other train. Could, could you imagine if you launch it through the loop? That makes it, but the other one rolls back. You crash into the tunnel. They, it never true. ran like that. Oh, it was I only for that. animation. In, uh, in, in, in the animation, it goes through and the other one comes over, and you're like, wow, spectacular. Only animation. It never. It, 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 it can't run like that. It will crash. Well, the coaster at Guangzhou is like that can actually <laughs> do that, except that they don't. It only happens um, for, like, B-roll and stuff. I would assume that at one point, like, our friend Candice, who helped us plan a lot of this, um, she told us that that was our only shot at getting both credits was to go on a Saturday, but I feel so like... planned it around it. And I feel like what happened was... It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. It was probably true at the time. They probably... That probably was our best bet, but I think operationally the park has had to slash operations because you just can't run a park like this with nobody in it. Yeah. It's a beautiful Saturday... I mean, it was you know the end of summer. It was the last week of September. But it was actually already. Uh, it was already October. No, it wasn't. Was it? No, we came back October first. Oh, okay. This was no, September thirtieth. No. Pretty much October. Yeah. So yeah, or September 29th. Or, yeah, something like that. No, but it was yeah, September. 30th. It was a fun park, and I would go back maybe to ride it again. I just hope that the park. I hope that they you know can get to a place where they're functioning in in a way that you know would allow for, for operation of all of their rides, you know? Because I, I don't... Some people think that, like, China just builds this crazy stuff and then they don't really care. Happy Valley probably doesn't care, but I feel like these parks, they probably would like to run both of the coasters, you know? Even if they don't duel them, they'd probably like for them to both be open. They probably would love to have the attendance that would justify running a dueling coaster, but, you know, I, I just can't blame them for... for having to only run one at a time when when your attendance looks like this so yeah we're rooting for them and we hope that we hope that they get to a better place operationally it was kind of a bummer it was a bummer way to end the trip which is why i'm so glad that when we flew back to shanghai the next day our flight was delayed for eight hours and we went back to shanghai disneyland which talk about the first episode it was a busy day but yeah that was fun it was super busy and it really helped us hit home how we felt about Shanghai Disney versus uh, Chimelong Ocean Kingdom. Yeah. So speaking of the first episode, I advise everyone who hasn't checked it out yet to check out our first episode. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that kind of good stuff. Wherever podcasts be listened to. So go ahead and check that out. Um, We're going to kind of wrap things up as we are already at like almost two hours. So thank you guys for listening again. We will have another episode that's going to talk more about Chimelong Ocean Kingdom. First is Shanghai Disneyland. Like, why is it our favorite? Why is Shanghai Disney our second favorite um, park in the world? And make sure to visit us on the web, thecoastkings.com, any of our social media. All these reports, all these parks we talk about are both podcasts. 
We'll have reports, most of which are out already. Mm -hmm. There's only a few left for currently working on, uh, on the final ones. So we'll see you on thecoastkings.com, and we thank you for listening. Have a good night. Catch or you morning. next time. Bye. Bye.